at SIFPOP. We're your movie friends. And are friends really friends if you don't know them? So grab a popcorn. And head over to our row. So we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room. For more movie friends. So sit back. Relax. And enjoy the show. Welcome. 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 To the writer's room. Hello and welcome to yet another special episode of Sip Pop Writer's Room. Uh, the Oscars are here. The 2022 Oscars covering 2021 films are coming, which means we're going to have some Oscar talk. Now, the way we like to do this on the show is to not talk about the current Oscars. Because guess what? You can read our thoughts on SipPop.com. We gave our, our thoughts on the nomination reactions. And I'd be surprised if we don't have an article coming out after the Oscars. Um, but uh, you, know, you can read our thoughts there. You can read our thoughts on Twitter, all the other different places you can reach us uh, and all those different things. And it just feels like everybody's talking about them. So what we wanted to do is to just sit, take a look back at last year and say, did the Academy get it right? Now that we're a year removed, we sometimes emotion plays uh, plays a little bit too much of a role in some of this. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's all fine. But just did the Academy get it right one year later? Um, we did this last year. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron. I'm joined by uh, Sif Pop writer or Sif Pop staff writer, Shane. How's it going, everyone? Uh, as well as Sif Pop writer, Alice. Hi, hi, and good day. Alice and Shane, my uh, my co-hosts, because they um, uh, watch every movie. Well, Alice specifically watches every Oscar movie, and Shane watches every movie that's ever come out ever. So, um. <laughs> I try. You try. You succeed, my friend. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to run through um, certain uh, categories for the Oscars, really the ones that are actually worth discussing. I mean, that's a really bad way to phrase that. The ones that are easier to discuss, the ones that are more easy to notice um, are, are going to be the things. So um, we have cinematography, um, score, original song, animated, a feature, international film, original screenplay, adapted screenplay, supporting actress, supporting actress, lead actress, lead actor, director, and picture. In that order, unlike the Oscars were presented last year, this is the order they should be in. So, yeah. um, <laughs> um, and so, uh. yeah. Uh, you'll notice we cut out editing and visual effects from last year um, just because last year's episode went wrong. Um, I feel like the Academy right now being like, we're going to award these things out beforehand and not air them. Like, it's just like, I hate Yeah, this. but look, uh, unlike the Academy, we're just some people commenting on it. We're not actually giving the awards to the actual people who know, did the no, work. No, we're giving the awards. I mailed out, I mailed out pieces of paper last year. Said two <laughs> Nomadland. Did you get land, any no, 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 no. <laughs> Two knives out. Please yeah. accept. <laughs> on behalf they were just of like, the Bob Riders Room yeah. podcast. Ryan Johnson was like, thank you, question mark. <laughs> Just like, Daniel Craig, what are you doing messing around with me? <laughs> <laughs> nice. So um, so quick rules, and we'll go, we'll go through these things. Uh, we'll, um, we have the ability to change a nomination on only one circumstance. That is, you have to use your wild card. Each one of us gets one wild card for the entire episode. So use yours wisely. And um, you can only change nominations with a wild card pick because you have to replace a nomination. So um, last year, so, so for example, um, if I wanted to, uh, what's a movie that definitely won't happen? Um, if I wanted to put Wonder Woman 1984 in the best picture <laughs> category, I would have to say I'm inserting Wonder Woman. Yeah, Alice is laughing pretty uncontrollably um, off mic, but... If that I would, that would cause so many more questions than it should if you did that. Would. So let's say I want to put it in the Please tender your resignation category. as editor of Sif Pop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I would yeah. then have to take away, I don't know, um, why not go, since we're already on Ridiculous, I yeah. would say let's take away Nomadland. So um, that's the, um, that's what we're going with. Um, that's the only way that you can um, change a nomination. We have to deal with what the Academy nominated, except for in a wildcard <laughs> circumstance. We have to reach a majority winner for um for this episode since there's the three of us we will have a majority each time we have to reach a majority uh for each each category each win um and we'll discuss each nomination as they're happening so i think we should just dive right into this um cinematography is the first one up our nominees are mank judas of the black messiah news of the world nomadland and trial of chicago 7 let's start with news of the world for the only reason mank by the way winning Let's start with News of the World for the only reason. This is a movie I still haven't seen, and I don't know that I have interest oh. in it. So this will be you guys. It's a beautiful film. Like I was about to say, really- the cinematography is extremely deserving. Like, there are some mm-hmm. shots that you, you could put them as paint, like paintings. Not even photos, paintings on your wall, you know? There's just the uses of red and sand and of the, the Western setting is very well done. Yeah, um, the fact that you haven't seen it yet, Aaron, is a big sign of, like, this is an underseen film. Yeah. And I felt bad about that because, like, there's a lot of great things about it. And it is a gorgeous, really well-shot Western. And mm. I definitely think it deserved to get nominated. So mm-hmm. this would be the only reason I would watch the movie is for the visual aspects, um, for, yeah. the, for the cinematography. Because, and Tom Hanks. I was going to say, and Tom Hanks. He's really good I mean, in it. I hear, I hear that, but like, I don't, I don't know. Like, actors aren't necessarily the thing that's going to get me to go. But just, I hear this movie is gorgeous. Mm. That's, that's all I have to say about news. The story's world. actually quite compelling too. Like, you wouldn't think so going in. And I haven't, to be honest, I haven't really thought about it that much since I saw it last year. But... When I was watching it, I wasn't, you know, bored or anything like that. Like, it's a quite compelling story about, you know, this guy having to look after this girl who's, like, you know, a white child brought up in a Native American um, environment and then having to kind of get her back to this family, um, to to the to her proper family in quotation marks. Um, but it's actually, like, a really nice sort of, like, father-daughter type relationship story on this background of, you know, the West with this cool plot device of him bringing the news of the world from town to town, which is so different to how we consume our news now. Like, it's, it, it's just really shows how much the world has developed in, you know, considering the history of the world, quite a short amount of time. So, yeah, it's worth doing just purely on that level even. I'm going to sit here as you can see, (laughs) but I'm going to hold up my 4K copy of News of the World. Oh, that would have been beautiful to watch. 4K. All right, let's move on. We'll go ahead and go through all the other nominees. I think I think most of the time we'll start with the winner, um, which I guess we'll do it in reverse this time. I figured people were tired of my voice. Um, let's talk about uh, Trial of Chicago 7, uh, cinematography for this one. Not going to lie, I don't remember the visuals very well. That's what I was from thinking this movie, too. <laughs> to be honest. So I remember the editing for this film. And mm. I remember I remember sometimes how... And I think this is why this got the nomination. There are moments that are interspliced with what, what I think is real footage from the riots um, mm. or the whatever you want to cl- classify them. Um, I think there's real footage from the police and the protesters like intercut 
between them, or or maybe it's just at the, during the end credits or whatever that you you see them. So I think that's the thing is they set up the job or they set up the the, the camera to to show some stuff very accurately. Um, so I think that would be the argument. I'm kind of with you. I love this movie. The visuals are not necessarily striking, except in certain scenes. Like I'm thinking of the the scene where it's kind of building. Uh, and then uh, the Jeremy Strong had led the people back to the ground, and the police are there waiting for them. And then there's that like brawl, like that's gorgeously shot. So yeah, I remember when the nominations came out. I'm like, but why? And like, mm. if if they had stronger feelings about a different movie, this probably would have been my wild card. Mm. But honestly, I was sitting there. I'm like, what would I replace it with that I felt really strongly about? And that's the thing, because like, if it was like this year with like Green Knight not getting any love, and I could just be like. Uh, duh. Um, that's a different story. Spoilers but for right next now, year's like, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. I wouldn't take any of them away. I'm like, oh, dang, yeah. this is actually hard. So, yeah. this one, this, I think this is an interesting one because there's a couple here. Like, this and Judas and the Black Messiah, I feel like, are a lot subtler and aren't really the kinds of movies that you would expect. I would say Judas and the Black Messiah. I remember those visuals, like, they were very striking. They are in my brain much more, like I can reflect on them much easier than I can for Trial of the Chicago 7. Because when I think of Trial of the Chicago 7, I think of the story, I think of the performance, I think of the, you know, historical event. Mm. When I think yeah. of Judas and the Black Messiah, I do think of the visuals as well because there were some really powerful ones, like especially, you know, that climactic part of the movie where, you know, you have, let's say, the tragedy of the film really occur like yeah. i remember watching that and the visuals really brought in a lot of the tension and so i i would say that makes more sense in my head than trial of chicago 7 just because i don't i i can't think of really any main like oh cinematography type shots in my See, head and i'm gonna i'm just gonna be the complete opposite of you and that's fine and i understand like he hearing what you're saying about the trial of Chicago seven isn't necessarily focused on being a visual movie. It's you pay attention to the dialogue and the performances mm. and, and kind of the plot and, and the, and the Aaron Sorkin-ness of right, it all. Right. The, the Aaron Sorkin-ness of it all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, but, but I think to me it's, I can remember the visuals more, but I've seen this movie four or five times. I've seen Jesus and Black Metal mm. Messiah twice. Um, it's because trial of Chicago seven is a more watchable movie. That's, that's all it comes down to. Yeah. Um, and I like, trial of chicago seven more um so um it was my favorite film of last year so you know <laughs> i remember <is> that. <clears throat> um, <laughs> so yeah that would be my that would be my stipulation to that but i mean since we've already given thoughts on judas the black messiah this mm -hmm. is the one that i was thinking like i don't really know how this quite has the cinematography nomination it's been a while since i've seen it um i think oscars weekend last year actually um and I really love the movie, but the cinematography is not one of the things I think about. Um, I think of the performances. I think of the plot. I think of the, um, uh, I think of the, I can't stop thinking of the scene um, where w full spoilers on all these movies, I guess. Right. Yeah. Like we could be kind of vague yeah. a little bit, but the scene where I mean, also, it's, some it's of these historical. are historical too. So. Yeah. 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 And I think the Spoiler people listening are going to be going to be the people that watch this anyway. But there's yeah. a scene where Lakeith Stanfield has to do something to Daniel Lekuluya that both mm -hmm. of them are just incredible. I can't stop. Like that's the one I can't get out of my mind. So I don't know. I I don't quite see the cinematography nomination, uh, especially when something like 
I don't I'm just looking at my favorites list, like especially when something like Tenet is out there. Like and I'm oh, by shoot. no means a Tenet apologist, but it's like there's some really there's still some really great shots in there. Um, mm. so for me See, the reason if I, I hadn't already decided on my wild card <laughs> yeah. and it would be making its way over here. But right. see, I, I think in my brain it's because I'm remembering the stark contrasts of the movie, you know, depending on what environment we were in at any point. So, you know, there was the Black Panther environment, the FBI environment, and then there was almost the, like, in-between one as well where Lakeith Stanfield's character is really kind of having to decide where his loyalties lie. And I remember, like, you know, during the underground it was a lot darker and it was more focusing on the neon lights and the street lights and that sort of thing. And then the FBI was very stark and it was very, like, cold and collect and I remember it was very almost like washed in tone and then there were these like in-between moments of warmth as well as you kind of I almost feel like mm. the film did this thing where it was kind of sh- it started off by presenting the Black Panther Party as this like scarier organization but as you learned more about how they actually helped the community and you know how Fred Hampton was actually like a decent guy it almost became warmer in its tones and then upon his mm you know, upon his death and his, his very horrific sort of murder, that flipped with the interview footage of, um, I can't remember, Bill something? What was what was Lakeith? Bill O'Neill's, Lakeith Stanfield's character, Bill O'Neill's, like, interview later on where it's very, again, like, cold and it kind of shows where his brain ended up going. That's what I remember is, like, how the visuals just kind of help tell that story even more. And, again, I do agree. I think the performances and and the story as a whole are really the standouts here, which is why it's not my pick for cinematography. But um, it's still – I still can see why. I think it's a very, like – it's using the cinematography to help tell the historic nature of it. Sure. I do see it – I do remember it more than Trial of the Chicago 7. My point was just general. Like, I was making a general point of, like, these don't usually seem to be the kind of movies that you see get yeah. nominated for cinematography. Right. Yeah, um, for sure. Unlike, you know, News of the World is a sprawling Western. So, like, you hope that it looks nice. Yeah. Or you're probably going to be really bored. Uh, so, Nomadland. That's our last nomination that didn't win. I think This it's movie's a- gorgeous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like there's some wonderful shots of lovely mountains and yep. very raw looking footage because it's like shot like a documentary in many ways. But Alice yeah. is already bored just by me mentioning Nomad. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, like, it's one of those Oscar movies where when I watched it, I was like, yeah. And I mean, this is, you know, spoilers for the rest of my thoughts around it. But it's like when I watched it, I was like, wow, yeah, it's really pretty and it's a really interesting story and it's directed really well and blah, blah, blah. But I never want to watch it ever again. <laughs> like, yeah, I just that's, that's, I'm not interested in it. Yeah, it's, I'll never watch. I'm, I'm not going to buy it on Blu-ray. I'm never going to be like, you know what? I feel like watching tonight, Nomadland. You know, and it's not even because it's depressing. It's just because it's like, okay, <laughs> it's it's the best movie I have no desire to see ever again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the best. It's the best looking movie. Sorry, the best made yeah, it, movie. I've everything about it is really well made. It's all like like Chloe Zhao and you know Francis McDormand and everything. It's it's very good, and I get why it got so much love. Do I think it should have gotten as much actual like confirmed love, if you will? <laughs> Maybe not. Well, I guess we're gonna <laughs> find out on this. We'll show. find out. We'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, and then so so. Uh, oh, Shane, did you have thoughts on Nomadland other than it's pretty? No, it's pretty. 
Okay. <laughs> uh, which leaves us with our winner, winner Mank. Yeah, like, I mean, it makes sense to me why it won. If I'll be honest, this film, I feel like a big part of why it stands up in its quality is because of the cinematography behind it. Like, it is. I mean, I don't get why it was in black and white, personally. I, like, I get why, but I don't get why. It's right. not a film where I was... It's not like Belfast, right, where it's black and white. Speaking of a film nominated this year, where it being in black and white makes a lot of sense to me. This one just felt more like Citizen Kane was in black and white, so this will be in black and white. Having said that, everything about the shots was, like, it was stunning, you know? They were very, like, beautiful, very deep shots. I want to yeah, say colour, uh... but it's all black and white, but you know what I mean. <laughs> the... Two scenes that pop out of my head is, well, I guess three, the dinner table, just mm. how the camera's framed and, like, the depth of the shots, them mm-hmm. all interacting in, like, around the fireplace, great depth of shots and, like, how mm. it moves and interacts with everyone. And just that one shot of um, William Randolph Hearst walking Mank down the hallway and, like, that slowly pulling back and, like, Charles Dance looking towering figure as he's like lugging Gary Oldman along through this hallway. I'm like, that's the thing. This movie was technically like, yes. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, um, you know, I think it deserved to be best picture nominated. Uh, it's beautiful <laughs> and it's really, really well made, but there's Let's a just lot say of this is movies. the right category for it. I don't know about yes. anything else. Though. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, the more I think about this year in film, the more I'm like, how many of these do I really want to watch again? Yeah. Yeah, I, it's more I want to come across. Especially because, like, oh. as we're talking about these, I've seen Judas the Black Messiah twice, Nomadland twice, Mink twice. None of them have been since Oscars weekend last year. Mm. Um, here's my oh, I just had an idea for a wild card. Uh, I'm really <laughs> mad now. Okay, it's all right. Uh, <laughs> you can, you can mention it as it comes up, and you'd be like, this is, like, what I, what I thought about doing, but I'm not doing. Um, yeah. You can definitely do that. We did that last year. Um, yeah. The, the thing, the thing, my thoughts on Mink cinematography is I'm sure it's gorgeous. I just was bored to tears both time I watched it. <laughs> I lost interest like 15 minutes in. So like, I just don't know. Like, <laughs> so I'll kick this yeah. off. I just, I just can't vote for this movie. I'm sure it's okay. worth it. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. positive it is deserving of this award, but I'll go Nomadland. Okay. I was going to vote Mank again. Me too. Yeah, I'm. I'm sticking. That's fine. I, it, if it's one award, it should have. It's. It's this one. I'm. Ne- I'm not. I'm not going to disagree with that at all. It's just I can't remember a thing about this movie because I was bored every time. So. <laughs> That's totally. You just feel fair. bad voting for a movie he didn't remember. <laughs> right. I have <laughs> one about news of the world on its reputation alone. <laughs> <laughs> He's quickly going on IMDb and looking through the photos. Oh yeah, that looks pretty Ooh, beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, um, one I just thought of that I I, w- I really wish I'd thought of it because it would have been my wild, wild card was um, Promising Young Woman I actually think has really beautiful cinematography. Yeah. So that, that I feel like, sh- yeah, I just remember what, because I remember when I first watched it, I actively noticed the cinema, not noticed in like a bad way in that, oh my God, this is shot beautifully sort of thing. Um, but yeah, that was one I, I would have had I thought of it, but that's all right, I have others. <laughs> You know what's so funny is the movie that I talk about the most that came out in 2020 is Tenant, and I still completely forgot about it when I was looking yeah. through all these nominations because all I remember is Christopher Nolan making me mad, talking down to me. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like, you jerk. Yeah, fair. Fair. So there we go. We have a winner in Mank. Congratulations, Woo. Mank. We'll send you a, a certificate in the mail. Um, yep. It'll be made with crayons. I'll be so happy. Uh, <laughs> 
for best original score. Um, all right, so uh, nominees are Soul, The Five Bloods, Mank, Minari, and News of the World. Let's just start off with Mank again, um, mm-hmm. since we were just talking about it. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Um, they had a great year, hey. They sure did. <laughs> they did. Um, I, again, I can't remember anything about this movie audib- audibly being remembered. I remember there was like, a lot of strings, or am I yes, making that up? There was a yeah, lot. Yeah, there strings. was. There was a lot of st- string like instruments. I think for it, tension and stuff. But I'll yeah, I'm I'm gonna say like it was. I wasn't like whoa again. But again, that could have been because I was a bit bored. <laughs> yeah, I don't like. I did remember sitting and watching the film, listening to the film, and being like, "This is Trent Reznor and Atticus mm. Ross," because mm-hmm. like it feels like an ode to like that period of cinema. Like it feels yeah. like a score from one of those movies. And would I say it sounds any different than some of the scores from movies back then? Probably not. So, <laughs> like you know, like yeah, they're just heavily really inspired, almost copied. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying they copied and pasted anything. They but I'm not, not saying but that. But I'm not saying it. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's why I'm that. uh, Alright, so let's talk about Minari then. Uh, that's another M-rated film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emil Masseri, you in the score here. Uh, I feel bad because in hindsight, I don't remember the score. The neither score do I. Well. <laughs> I think I vaguely remember I really thinking done more it was prep quite... on this, guys. No, but well, no, I think, I think that's part of it. About it though. Yeah, I think, like, for example, you know, as we'll talk later on, there are ones within this that I do remember, I do actively remember the score of, but I think it's important that the thing that wins best score of the year should be memorable, you know? <laughs> like, right. I feel like that's that's basic. And I do remember, I think I remember Alice Minari. the Batman for original score 2023. <laughs> I mean, low-key, though, probably at least a nominee. I mean, I don't know what else is coming out this I, year. I, we'll I, see yeah, what... I doubt that. I don't know. I I think it should be deserving. I don't think it'll get it. Michael Giacchino's an Oscars darling. He might get a, you know, he might get a nod. Everybody loves him. He's directing a movie now. I know. Disney Plus special. Yo, I'm so good for that. For Marvel. Yeah. um, Exactly. Yeah, I don't remember the Minari score. Now I'm sitting here like, this could have been another Tenant one, couldn't it? Yeah. With Ludwig (laughs) Gorenson, just like, it wasn't Hans Zimmer, but it was just as boisterous. Yeah, I was going to say, it was Hans Zimmer light, <laughs> which isn't saying much. But I, I remember Minari was very like, um, I mean, I don't remember, I can't hear it in my head when I'm trying to remember it, but I remember thinking it was very delicate. But clearly it was so delicate that my memory decided not to attain it. <laughs> so, yeah. I think I want to put Wolf Walkers over this too. Oh, that one had a beautiful, yeah, that had a beautiful score. Animations, I mean, you know, speaking of in a moment, animations. We'll get there because here's some great things to to talk about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's go to, uh, let's go to the news of the world because again, I haven't seen this. Operatic is what I remember. Like it was just very like grand in its score. And I remember being like, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed in the music. Like I do remember it was really, I added a bunch of the songs to my background music playlist because Mm -hmm. it was so like, sort of thing. Yeah. James Newton Howard is amazing. And also I watched this at the drive-in. So I I listened to this through a radio. I'm still like, amazing. Yeah. So, <laughs> and it was also 25 degrees. 
that was a very interesting movie going experience. <laughs> but yeah, I think it was a really, a really, really good score. And like, mm. I, w- I recall being very happy when it got nominated. Um, Me because too, like, yeah. I didn't think anybody saw News of the World besides me and the people at that drive-in. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I was in the small cinema when I saw it, and there was only, like, people over the age of 65, including my mum. <laughs> and then was there was about. me. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, okay, so the other nominee that didn't win, Defy Bloods. I haven't seen it I, yet. No? Uh, oh. I, I recall it being, like, a kind of, like, tr- I don't know, triumphant kind of, like, good quality, like, war movie score. But the thing is, I remember all the music. Like the music choices over it, because you know right. it is a Spike right. Lee movie. So, yeah, but like I, I remember it being nominated. I'm like, oh, I didn't think about that one, but yeah, I liked it. I think, um, yeah, I think it was fine. It's just I, I think there's so much that this movie does well, and I'm pretty sure this is its own nomination. Um, mm. Ridiculous. There's, there's so much. I mean, just Delroy. Maybe, maybe this is a wild card, but right, Delroy Lindo. Most of the actors in this movie. For sure, director like should be should have been a consideration. Like the score was not the part of the movie that I remembered. Um, not I remember thinking it was fine, but like I don't know. Here, here's the other thing too. As I was thinking of scores from the from the past year when I was making my year in list, I didn't really like like love any of them. Um, like I think I said that my favorite score was Wonder Woman 1984 because that's a great score to a pretty terrible movie. Um, <laughs> Like I, I loved, I loved the sound in that movie. Yeah. Um, and, but like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna wild card it for something, you know, for something here. But it's I just, think it was a year of good of soundtracks. It, it was a year yes. of better soundtracks than it was scores. And sound editing. Yeah. 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 Uh, which leads us to Soul, the winner. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. Amazing. Oh. So good. Yeah. You want to, you want to talk about good scores that like, that is a film with that lives and dies by its score. Literally. (laughs) Right. Well, and I think I just didn't necessarily consider because it feels natural because it feels Mm. like a soundtrack. And the more I've gotten to listen to the soundtrack, the more I've appreciated it. I think it was just, you know, Wonder Woman's got that big, like in your face, all that stuff. And it's like, so you remember it more quickly, but I think the more time I spent with soul, like, yeah, this, Mm. this probably should have been the right thing. Complex moving score. Mm-hmm. that hit on a lot of different kinds of emotions it used mm-hmm. a variety of sounds i'm like i was sitting there i'm like oh yes this definitely is yeah <laughs> trent reznor and atticus ross score mm-hmm. because it's very atmospheric too and like mm-hmm. yeah this one was easy i was definitely voting for soul so spoilers yeah. before you yeah, ask me i'm yeah. also voting soul me too there they're go. two for two. First unanimous one i'm yep. still the outlier so <laughs> it's okay it's all right. I'm sure that's not. I don't think we're going to be as you like. Like I feel like I remember last year we were all like, "Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too." And then it it right. was pretty much even. If maybe one person here, one person then there. Went sideways. I don't know if that's going to happen this year. We'll see. No, 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 no. <laughs> and uh, we'll see. Because um, spoiler, I'm not voting for the winner of this next category. Original song. Me neither. Um, oh, neither am I. <laughs> Uh, all right, so we have Fight for You from Judas and Black Messiah, Hear My Voice from Trial of Chicago 7, Who's Civic from Eurovision, Lose, um, Scene from The Life Ahead, oh, it, now from One Night it's, in Miami. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, it's EOC. EO, like it's an I. Got it. Thank Oh, <laughs> that's my printer's fault. Either way, <laughs> thank you. Um, <laughs> Alice, have you seen The Life Ahead? No, no. <laughs> it, it, every year there's a few movies the sometimes oh, that like don't Shane didn't quite... see a movie, guys. <gasps> what? 
I think, look, the, if there's always a couple of movies sometimes you don't have time for before the, the ceremony and the ones that I tend to wait until the last moment is the ones that have original song or score just because it's like I can just listen to those separately if I need mm-hmm. and especially song. It's like I'm not necessarily going to watch an entire movie for the end credits song. You know? Exactly. So, yeah. It's like maybe it was actually in the movie. Yeah, exactly. That almost well, never happens, though. Almost. Because uh, obviously so- there were not a whole lot of musicals in 2020. Because right. uh, Hamilton. Well, <laughs> well, but they didn't. That was an original song. Yeah. It was original at some point, but not for that. Like, um, yeah. Um, let's talk about "Hear My Voice" from Trial of Chicago Seven. Uh, let me tell you something that really peeves me about this original uh, song category. Mm-hmm. You should incorporate your song into your film, not just play it over the credits. And yeah, this yeah. song had next to nothing to do with the movie. Um, I, I, I get that it was the theme, right? But like, I don't think that the artist had written this song about this movie. I think they were just like, hey, write a movie about, you know, about people in power, hearing people not in power. And, and then there was this totally forgettable song on the credits mm-hmm. of this movie that Maybe his maybe his only faults are in the last five minutes. Like, <laughs> hey, Netflix turns off the credits for me, so I didn't even hear it. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I don't. I a hundred percent agree with you, Aaron. I feel like maybe they need to add a new thing to the original song category, where it's like needs to be present in some way, shape, or form within the actual main runtime of the film, well, but, and not but when the credits are rolling. Mad because you know people would get mad because. The well, then they need to get, they need to get, no, but let's be honest here, unless it's a Marvel no, movie, no, not many people are around you. for the credits. Marvel films, totally, you know what, you want to stick your original song in the credits? I'm totally fine with that because I'm having to stick around for the credits anyways. But like, right. I just think that should be part of it because that for me also would be an element of the film, you know, at the end of the day, this yes. is a, this is part of the film and you should be able to figure out how to incorporate at least one song if you really want it to be nominated within your film, whether it's diegetically, non-diegetically, like over a montage, you know, over someone dancing to it or something. Like it shouldn't be that difficult enough so that most of the time whenever it's the original song, unless it's a Disney film or something, people won't remember it. So you'll be listening to the performance and then you'll just be like, cool, where, where, what song was that for? <laughs> what movie was that for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then I remember even watching it through after the nominees during Oscar weekend, and mm. um, I, I still didn't get it. I was like, this? Like, mm. this is fine. This isn't Best Original Song nominated. Like, yeah. Generally, mm. this is a weak category. And unless yeah. there's, like, a lot of, like, musicals and stuff like that, I feel like there's not a whole lot of strong nominees in this category. Well, because it's hard to naturally work in an original song in a non-musical um, you know, and yeah. so, and so, or, or, or non-animated. And so like, um, you know, so I feel like, I, I don't know. I feel like that credits stipulation, but it's just like, especially with a movie like trial of Chicago seven, there was time to implement a song. Absolutely. Like they had yeah. the time. They just chose not to. They had the parts um, of the movie. Like you said before the big riot, like hello, yeah. easy, easy song, like element. Trent right there. Reznor and Atticus Ross should have wrote a song for that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it should have been Nine Inch Nails. Who it should have been a Nine Inch Nails song during that, <laughs> for sure. Yep, hundred percent. Yep. Um, okay, I got my vote. <laughs> uh, 
Um, well, then, on a completely different note, how about Husevic from uh, Eurovision? How do we feel about I love this song, song so much. I was so, so, so upset that they decided to take their song performances out of the ceremony because I was yeah. so yeah. looking forward to seeing this performed. I was like, this is going to be amazing. And then that is one of many, 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 many bad decisions that were made in the ceremony last year. But, like, this was I was so looking for I'm like yes Husevic I remember that well, is such in a movie of songs that was such a powerful moment and it was such a good song like I listened to it so much afterwards and then oh they took it out I was so I was so upset my my hope with this nomination because I love this song um, mm. on both artistic level and in terms of like it's a very funny song yeah um, and and it's placed perfectly within the movie um, my hope was that we were going to start to see some of these like silly songs that are well made done, and then the Academy didn't nominate Edgar's Prayer from Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, and um, I hate them now. So, uh, um, to be fair, this year was also quite stacked when uh, it came yeah, to that's songs. True, right, that's true. <laughs> if but, only Bar- Barb and Star came out in twenty twenty, yeah, that should have won the Oscar. Song. Yeah, no, this 100%. is this is a really great song, uh, great soundtrack. Um, we, I, me and my wife still listen to it frequently. I want Yaya Ding Dong. Right. The the songs are split between. I have two playlists on my pl- music player. That's one of them is Shower Jams, which is a song you might catch me singing in the shower in any mm. given moment. And another one is um, it's 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 called Raffle Copter, and it's just songs that make me laugh. And because um, <laughs> you know, I decided to go 2006 in my naming the playlist. <laughs> and um, and so like this is evenly split between <laughs> between those two playlists, like. Like Lion of Love is in the the laughing one, and like who's who's is in Shower Jams, even though it's a funny mm-hmm. song, because it's like I just want to belt it out in the shower, you know? Yeah, and it's an impressive like song. Like it's really well. It is exactly the type of song I could see at Eurovision, as because yes. Australia's really into Eurovision, so we knew all about it before the movie, and we have known about it for years. In fact, Australia competes in Eurovision. I don't know because we're clearly part of Europe. Um, anyway. <laughs> <I was> in- <laughs> And so um, it's just basically because we're such a big market. They were like, do you guys want to compete? And we were like, yes. Um, Anyway, so it's actually a song I could a thousand percent see as a a main competitor within the Eurovision song contest. Like it is the way it's written, the way it's performed, everything about it fits so naturally within the world of the film and what it's representing that it's also just really well made on that scale as well, which is why it should have won. Spoiler. But like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right our last nomination that didn't win is speak now from one night in miami um is that this, the one that he sings you, at the end yeah this is the one that leslie odom jr sings at the end yeah let me tell you let me tell you a little something about this song a little fun fact <laughs> i love this song so much that i made a new spotify playlist because it didn't fit anywhere else <laughs> this playlist is called the stuff that souls are made of and this Aww. is the number one add on there because i adore this song and this performance i think it's incredible i think it fits perfectly with uh with what the movie is trying to say with what the movie is uh is doing with 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 its characters and with especially with that with that character and the progression of where he is at the beginning being content um with where he's at versus like you know really being reignited to to be a voice um, I adore this song. As I hold up my One Night in Miami criterion right here, I also absolutely love this song. And there was tons of feels that came rushing in 
at the end of that movie, I'm like, damn. Yeah. That was like the exclamation point to throw on the end of that movie. I'm just like, see, that's how you do it. Like, <laughs> I, hey, squeezing it right before the credits. Yeah. And then, then you're fine. And it just works so perfectly, though. Oh, it does. Yep. Which leaves us with the winner. Um, Fight for You by her. Uh, this is Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, I don't even remember again, it. <laughs> well, this is a pet peeve, again, because this is played over the credits and not during the film. That's why I don't remember it. <laughs> but I love this song. I, yeah. I've come to find that I really like uh, the music that this artist is putting out. I think mm-hmm. there's a really good like energy that she's putting out where it's like um, progressive blues-ish, probably. Um, I love the sound of... She plays lead guitar as well. Um, if if Please listen to this song, and if you like this song, go check out Hold On um, by the same artist. It's so good. I really like this performer. She's one of, like, I, this song exposed me to that. And then she was on America's Got Talent and played Hold On. And mm. I love that. I'm really wanting to dive more into her uh, discography and really excited to see whatever she puts out next. Because um, I love this vibe. I love her voice. Um, it's great. It fits the theme of the movie. It fits what's going on. It, it feels like a good ending. Again, it's just played over the credits. And it's not like there wasn't options to put it in earlier. So it's my one gripe. Um, I love this song. I'm with Alice. I don't remember oh, it because <laughs> that's no, and that's fair. That's totally fair. Because to, to be fair, I feel like I have heard this one outside mm. of the movie mm-hmm. and remember it being a really good song. I just because and that's a tricky thing. It's like especially with these streaming movies. If you watch it on streaming, they're like on to the next thing. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like no credits for you. Right. Um and. You know, I'm sure it's a great song. I just don't remember it very well. I would recommend sometime in the future, check this song out just on its own merit. Yeah. And uh, and then if you're already there, just go check out Hold On as well. Um, yeah. Because I've definitely heard it. And I think I remember being like, oh, yeah, it's a good song. I think because what I do is on the day of the Oscars, while I'm prepping everything for my Oscar watching party, I put on the, I put all the songs and the scores in a playlist and I just play that all day. Oh, so... Nice. That gives me, because I feel like those are, you know, it's all audio yeah. and that way I can up myself on that. And that's how I tend to listen to the songs nominated because I'm like, oh, that's sure. what that is. I might steal that idea. Yeah, it's a it's good idea. Bad. Also, it's just, they're all really good either way. So it's great to listen. It's right. a great sort of thing to listen to. But um, I remember, I think I remember being like, oh yeah, this is a good song, but I honestly have not listened to it since. So I, I will, I feel like I'll go out of my way and I might listen to it afterwards, chuck it on Spotify afterwards. But um. Yeah, I just I, w- I wish I remembered it, but I just <laughs> don't remember any of it. That's okay. That's fine. Yeah. Um. All right. Alice obviously picks Husevik for her pick. Yes. I obviously pick Speak Now in One Night in Miami. Shane. Speak Now. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Honestly, that would be my second pick. That would be my second pick. I just if really I didn't love, love that Husevic. that song so much, I would have voted for anything from Eurovision. Yes. So, like, I I was not really a fan of that movie, and that was one mm -hmm. of the Will Ferrell performances where I'm just like, my God, stop. But, like, (laughs) I loved every time music started in that movie, especially when Dan Stevens' character. Oh, yeah. This song. Oh, that one. I actually put that on my Spotify. Yeah. I'm just like, this is so great. 
The um, so my, so speak now should have been the winner. I I I was devastated when it didn't win. I still really like the song that did win. So like I'm not necessarily mad about it. I'm mad that the what my my preference isn't. But I can't yeah. be mad. This isn't like if if this um, hear my voice from Tosh House Seven. This totally forgettable song that nobody knew existed. Nobody would know was an original song if it wasn't nominated. Um, hmm. You won. So uh, also, quick question: covers don't count, right? No, no. Because if it did, Tenacious D, I think I love you, should have won from the Croods too. <laughs> no, it's yeah. not. An, What's funny is that Shane, is by definition, a cover know. is not an original song. <laughs> it's a cover. I asked that question as an excuse to bring up Tenacious D. Yeah, clearly. Um, so there you go. Look, all I ask is they have confirmed they're doing performances this year, right? They have confirmed them. I'm that's going. why they've, do- so, they've been stupid and decided to take out a bunch of like nominees in the actual recording. My uh, my wonderful fiance as my wedding gift bought me tickets to go see Tenacious D in September, and uh, I'm very excited. Nice. <laughs> I cannot confirm what you're asking, Alice. I cannot confirm. It I'm pretty sure they have. I'm pretty sure they've confirmed like. <laughs> Like they're actually going to play it, clips again. They confirm they're going to do the performances because you can't not. I mean, one of the songs nominated this year is Dos Oruguitas. You cannot not perform an Encanto right. medley this year. You know, I fully have see that happening. Also, you can't not have Billie Eilish perform. Like one of the biggest stars right now. You want to bring people in. Um, and I yeah. understand the decision for last year as an asterisk because that would have increased the guest count. And there, it was a pretty limited ceremony. So, like, I am sad as well, but they couldn't pre-record a video. Uh, or or like, they couldn't do it virtually, or they couldn't show the music videos for them. Yeah. Like, there are so many other ways they could have done it. They would just be lazy. that they did virtually. Other well, they had a bunch of the nominees. Speeches. They had the nominees virtually. How hard would it have been to bring in, like, music performances virtually? That wouldn't have been that That's difficult. Fair. Well, so, Graham well, Norton if you really want to get into it... <laughs> Because Steven Soderbergh was, that was the whole reason why he wouldn't set up something for Anthony Hopkins, because it would have, it would have lessened the um, production value of the show. I'd be like, oh yeah, but you know what didn't? The seeing Glenn Close <laughs> twerk, that, that really like, oof. there's the production value. What, what certainly didn't reduce the production value of that ceremony was that hot mess of an ending. <laughs> which I'm sure we'll get to. There. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get yeah. There. Yes, I stop. Next. No, look. no. They were so like, no. Us. Let's not. Let's not have the clips, or let's not have people virtual in, because that's gonna that's gonna mess up the production value. But you know what? We're gonna have people walk around. We're gonna uh, walk around and be like, do you recognize this song from the 70s? And then they don't, and then it's weird and awkward. That that was great production. Good job, Steven Sp- Soderbergh. Good job. That was all sarcasm, if you can tell. <laughs> so Speak Now takes the original song, Oscar. Yes. Um, yeah. First time Aaron we've, tried uh, to desperately get us any... back on track. Yep. Because uh, <laughs> well, we've gone through four awards and three awards in 45 minutes. Um, Speak Now takes the Oscar. First time we've uh, we've elected a non-winner so far this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so animated films. Um, <clears throat> let's start with Now, the this onward. was a stacked cut category. I will say this, this is probably is stacked, one of the more yeah. stacked categories of this year. Mm-hmm. Let's start with Onward. Uh, mm-hmm. This movie surprised me how much I liked it. And I really like this film. Mm. Oh, hip in the feels very yeah. strongly. Mm-hmm. And this was, and it was interesting because this was one, probably one of the last films that a lot of people saw in theaters. 
before the apocalypse happened. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I could not, I, I would get, was going to get to the theaters to see it like the next week after everything shut down. I remember when me and my partner went to see it and like it had just come out. Normally when a Pixar movie comes out, everyone's like it's packed. And we were, I think one of two other people in the cinema. And it was really the whole city. I remember we were walking back. The whole city seemed really eerie because we'd gone to the movies. Then we're walking home, but the city was deserted. It was just like the middle of the day on a Sunday, but it was empty. Everyone was at home. No one was out. It was like, something's about to change and then everything <laughs> changed so yeah it was really eerie but um the movie uh, like it hit me in the f- feels but it also hit me right in the fantasy nerddom like mm-hmm. as someone who does play D does play magic the gathering like loves 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 fantasy this was something i was so excited for and they really did like adhere to all those magical elements that you really want to see in this kind of thing I concur as also a nerd who plays D&D, that mm. Onward was a lot of fun with all the fun, nerdy uh, fantasy elements to it. Yeah. I play Munchkin, does that count? Um... <laughs> no, uh, but okay. it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just finished playing The Witcher 2, does that count? Um, <laughs> a, a movie I haven't seen, Over the Moon. Oh, I was shocked by how much I enjoyed this movie because I'm like, oh, a Netflix original animated movie yeah. that isn't from like a major studio. I'm like, holy crap, this was a lot of fun. I enjoyed this. It was beautiful. It had some fun songs in it. I'm like, wait a minute. Did Disney make this? Or at least yeah. DreamWorks? That's honestly yeah. what my thought was. I'm like, good for Netflix. Good for them. I will say, I think this is the movie that made me cry the most. I remember I was sitting at home because I was home alone and I was like, I'll just watch this. This looks good. Everyone keeps telling me to watch it. All right, I'll chuck it on. I was sobbing. But there's the one bit, there's a bit towards the end where it's like very sort of, it goes from big, big, bold colors to a bit more quiet. You know what I'm talking about, Shane. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just was sobbing because it's also looking at sort of like grief and moving on from that and family. The things, okay, the things that always hit me in terms of what makes me cry is like things to do with parents and children. So that's a lot of what this movie is and it does so really well. And it was just like, I was just sitting there on the floor, on my floor in my living room, just like, cause I, I didn't just like collapse under the floor. I was sitting on the floor, but I was sitting on the floor in my living room, just like, Oh my God, it's so beautiful. Just crying. I was such a mess. And it's just because it was so the, the way it tells the story and the way it explores the themes of family and grief and culture as well is just honestly it's actually a really beautiful film plus all that aside the music is actually amazing and philippa sue is like one of the main characters um for for those of you who might kind of recognize her name but not sure where from she's the the original eliza in hamilton and she's the like one of the main voices in her character in this is just stunning in every single way and it's just yeah such a good movie i want to watch it again now i would have taken any of the songs from this movie mm-hmm. over some of the ones nominated for actually Best yeah yeah absolutely yeah. but anyway um let's go to another netflix original sean the sheep farmageddon I was so Made surprised by how five. good this movie was. Like, I did not expect anything going into this. I was like, all right, let's 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 go for it. And it was actually a really good movie. And it also had a song that did play over the credits where I was like, this song is awesome and it should have been nominated 
best original song. And I think it actually is, um, it has her in it, like her did the song. But um, anyway, yeah, it was actually a really, really fun like weirdly touching i mean it was admin i don't know what why i thought it wouldn't be like great but it was just yeah i didn't think much but it ended up being really great mm-hmm. Ardman is great i'm all about that farmageddon and i distinctly remember us doing our end of the year top five videos and just being like the podcast i'm just like everyone's gonna be like shane put farmageddon in his top five I'm like i sure did <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, I watched this because because Shane spoke so highly of it, um, and and I was like, you know, I like this animation team. Um, yeah, this is this is really great. Um, it pays a lot of the. It, this is how you do fan service well, mm-hmm. um, and uh, this is how you do animation well, and this is how you do voice acting well. This is how you make a very well made film um, that is not just for kids but also for adults. So, um, lots to love about Shaun the Sheep Farm again. And, um, <clears throat> all right. The last one that didn't win is Wolfwalkers. And, My uh, number one of 2020. Yeah, well, I think we know which one that is... Shane will pick. Then. I'm pretty sure. I we'll wonder which one. Which I, th- one. I, thought this one, I think this one might have the, like, this is the closest it'll be so far, I think. so. Oh, it is so gorgeous. Yeah. And the music is so great. And this is heavy. Like, and that's the thing. I love Cartoon Saloon. I love Secret mm. of Kells, Song of the Sea, Breadwinner, this, just anything that they have. And I remember when this released on Apple TV Plus screener room, because this was one of my first screeners from them. And I'm just like, yes. And I remember sitting and just loving every second of this. So mm. there you go. It's, it's gorgeous visually. It's gorgeous audibly. Uh, it's got incredible voice acting. I mm-hmm. am. I adore the animation style. I love the message of this movie. Um, it, it, it's maybe a little bit tiny too long. Um, but mm. Like not even enough for me to, to say anything more than that. Like it's pretty insignificant with how great this film is. It's, it's truly remarkable. Yeah. So yeah. No, it, it really is. And you know what it is? It's so original. And I, I would almost say that about yeah. or every single one of the films in animation. Like this, the story is so it's original fair, yeah. and it's, it's so intriguing because of that, you know? Sometimes with movies that are nominated for Oscars, I'm like, all right, I'll watch this, but I feel like I've seen this before, you know? it's it's a Which there's nothing wrong with, but it's so great to see things like, for example, part of the reason I really love Cartoon Saloon as well is because they, they do this really well. They look at different cultures and different yeah. histories and they tell those stories and bring them to a bigger sort of viewership in a way that is so well done so, you know, like you, you mentioned um, the, um, oh my God, it's gone. You just said it and it's gone from my brain. You know the one I'm talking about, about the seal people. <laughs> oh, Song of the Sea. Song of the Sea. I went to say Song of the Kells and I was like, that's wrong. Song of the Sea. Like that's, that's another one, mind. you know, <laughs> but it's like, it's so well done, everything about it. And I love the story. For me, story is so important and they do story very well. Um, okay, which just leaves us with our with our last one, Soul, Pixar's latest. If a film could, get, if an animated film could get nominated for cinematography, this would be this would be nominated. Sure, yep. I'll say, yeah, hundred percent. What were you saying, Chain? I was going to say I had an existential crisis watching this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the so- moment that the one guy accidentally falls through that void, I legitimately was sitting on my couch Christmas morning having an existential crisis. <laughs> Like, Merry Christmas. <laughs> like, that's how much this movie affected me. I'm just like, yeah. 
this hit on the whole different level. I'm like, holy crap. This and th- yeah. I'm I'm convinced this is this is Pixar's first film made for adults. Mm. Um it obviously has some things that kids can like, but I think that this is a movie that's going to age more the older you get. Um the 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 message that's trying the 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 walking in the shoes of Joe Gardner is something that feels more adult. Um, it, it it really feels like this movie was made to inspire adults to think and f- act more creatively like kids and and to take chances that are given to you. And I really feel like it's a love letter from the Pixar staff because I can't confirm this, but I would just really like to believe that Pixar's staff, their, their cast and crew are just a bunch of adult children. Like, mm. you know, like, and you could just see with the way they think and the way they, like, chart out their stories and write. Like, it, it just feels like this is a love letter from Pixar to us um, to to aspire to that. What is the uh, Imagineering, mm. that Disney phraseology? Like, it, it really feels like that. And on top of that, this movie really says something. And it does a shockingly good job at being a movie about the afterlife and remaining pretty religiously neutral uh, i mean the existence of an afterlife you know then you know at least has some sort of thing there but like there's touches of different sects of christianity there's sec- there's touches of judaism there's touch of islam like there's lots lots of and the way they kind of explain it is you're all a little bit right like <laughs> <laughs> but so. i mean it's the same i mean it's pete doctor and it's the same as like inside out where it's taking this yeah. concept and telling it in a way that is like neutral in that it's not going to offend or anything like that, but still explores it in a way that really makes you question <laughs> your life. <laughs> and, um, you know, I mean, we all probably walked out of Inside Out being like, hmm, which one of my feelings is in charge of my control panel? And it, you're, you're 100% right, Aaron, in that it's, it's speaking to adults. But I think what Pixar does so brilliantly is that if you're an adult having to say take a child to a cartoon, the kid's going to enjoy it at the most shallow level because in the most yes. shallow level, it's just a story about a guy that like, oh, something happens to him and then he ends up in a cat body and then there's lots of colors and pictures and music and it's fun. But for an adult, it is about this idea of settling for a life that is not your potential, like settling under your potential and not taking risks due to the fear of what could what could be. And that is so, I think that is so, so pertinent in today, like today's society and and with today's world where so many people will have those moments of questioning, especially at the age that we, you know, are, where it's that like, oh, am I doing what I'm meant to be doing with my life? And should I, you know, be reconsidering everything? Have I settled? And then doing so in a way of like, well, there's an element of passion and then there's an element of you yourself where you can get so lost in what you need to do of like, you know, paying your rent, doing your job, doing what you're supposed to do with. And then you have to step back and just be like, but who am I as a person? Who am I inside? What makes me happy? And that this film, you're exactly right, Shane, in that it causes an existential crisis because you finish it and you're just like, what am I doing with my life? So, yeah, and that's what Pixar is so brilliant. You know, again, going back to your point about storytelling, I think this film perfectly encompasses Pixar's rules of storytelling, which I'm not sure if you guys have read those before. But, yeah, exactly. And it's it's so perfect in that it manages to touch on being a great story 
it, at every level, whether you are looking at it from the most shallow, like what is the story to the deeper themes as well. Um, and like Pixar, you know, they know what they're doing. Like, let's be honest here. Let's just right, say that. Right. Yeah. For sure. Um, I'll kick us off. I'm voting for Soul in this category. It's very close. I adore Wolfwalkers. Um, these were both like really close on my top of the year list. Um, mm-hmm. So I will vote for Soul. Shane? Wolfwalkers. Yeah, figured I'd let you say it out loud. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, Alice, you're going to be the splitting vote because I have a feeling it's one of the two. Yes. Well, I will say Wolfwalkers and Soul were both in my top 10, but Soul was my number two movie of the year. So, it's going to be Soul. <laughs> I think this is one that Wolfwalkers, most other years, could have taken it. Mm. And I, it was I, think, I think this is also a. A really good example of, I think this is one that people are so torn on and so split on mm. if they've seen Wolfwalkers. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the biggest thing. Which, and people- the fact that it's on Apple TV Plus and they don't yeah. sell physical copies of anything, we'll, we'll, we'll limit them. Mm. But um, Soul but- is my number 11. Like, I had three of these movies in my top 11 movies of the year because yeah. animation ruled. But yeah, you so, know what? Like, I feel I like that's, that's happening. To say, like, yeah. If you haven't seen Wolfwalkers, it is totally deserving of even mm-hmm. winning this award. It's the runner-up. <laughs> but yeah. um, I almost feel like in recent history, the animated category is getting more and more competitive, where every film I'm watching in it is real. Even this year, every single film, I'm like, they're excellent for completely different reasons. So it's it's insane how this category is just almost evolving to another level of quality. Flea is for a game sure. changer. Flea but was a. I watched that the year. other night. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that is. That's for next year, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but that, that'll transition us because the next category we have is international mm. films. Um, okay, so ha- ha- which films have you guys seen? <laughs> I've only seen another round. I've seen three. I've seen okay. two. I saw Collective and Another Round. I didn't get around to. I couldn't find a lot of these actually, to be honest. Okay. I. I saw another round, which was my number two movie of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, Covatus Ada, which is absolutely devastating. Like in a de- good way or in a bad way? Like, like, well, it's more about Bosnian war and people. Okay. Like, well, like there are some good devastating movies, you know. Oh no, yeah. this is an amazing movie. Like, I remember going into this ceremony being like, if anything else besides another round wins, it's a travesty. Mm. And then I saw Covatus Ada. I'm like, oh, huh. <laughs> that one that's hard to argue with and then the man who sold his skin was also a captivating and very different kind of film with a lot to say it was provocative and it was a really good film this is a, another category that's just like well if they actually picked all the best ones every year um would be absolutely amazing i have some questions this year but that's for next year um, but so, yeah, so out of the three of these, like still though, another round, I absolutely mm. love this pieces. Yeah, um, it looks like uh, Kevadis Ada is um, available on Hulu. Um, yes. Where you, uh, Ada, is the, um, the, the title that you would search to find that. Uh, and again, that's just in the States. Sorry, Alice, I have no idea. It looks like The Man Who Sold His Skin, also available on Hulu. If you uh, want to find a lot of great indie documentaries and foreign films hulu picks up a lot of them in the u.s Mm. hey guess where you can also find collective on hulu 
on Hulu. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I know speaking, you can find another round on Hulu. Um, yeah, but but speaking of collective, collective was and Better Days is on Hulu. All of these are on Hulu. Yeah, I, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Hulu's like, come on, give me, give me all of them, give me everything. I mean, um, Hulu got Parasite like right after. They're like, another language, you're going to find it here, pretty much. But um, no, collective. So I feel like every year there's one or two for, um, international films or foreign language films that are documentaries. And I'm never mad at that because sometimes documentaries can be so compelling and collective was one of them. Like, it was insane. to I can't, there's no other word I can use to describe it where it's basically just, um, think like spotlight, but in Romania and it's a documentary sort of thing. And, um, they're basically just uncovering this huge, in, instead of, you know, um, sexual abuse, it's uncovering corruption and fraud in amongst like the higher ups of like government and stuff. And it's, and you know, there's like murder and, and, you know, bribes and all that sort of element and it's just so compelling like the film is incredibly compelling and you're watching it and you just can't believe that everything you're watching is real like you could you could see this being just a film if it was in fact it's very obviously a documentary in the way it's told but um I do recommend like it was I really didn't know what to expect going in especially because I haven't seen a lot of Romanian films so in terms of tone I wasn't used to it but um it was so interesting, vastly interesting. I do recommend checking it out. Very nice. And I do want um, to throw a quick thing out there. The Mole Agent was mm-hmm. an absolutely amazing film, and I loved it to pieces. And that was also a documentary that I didn't realize was a documentary until 20 minutes in. Yeah. Um, but it's also an, it is an international film, and it blew up. I remember I put Didn't my it review, get nominated for Best thousand, Documentary? I'm trying to remember if it was. I think it did, yeah. Because we didn't look at that one. Yeah. Um, but, like, that's also a great foreign, and, like, international film that was also a documentary. Mm. But my vote's another round. Yes, it did get nominated for Best Documentary Feature. So, cool. But Lost my vote is also for another round, obviously. But I, I have a feeling even if I saw all five of these, which I, I am going to go check out all these since they're all available on Hulu, especially mm. with the way that you guys are talking about all these the only one that none of us have seen is Better Days. Mm. Um, but they're all really high rated on IMDb as well. Um, mm. Like they're, It sounds like all of these are deserving as opposed to like, I don't know, sometimes I feel like with the international category, that one is just, it's, it's been more along the lines of which one have I heard? You know, and yeah. I'll check that for my nominations ballot. So, um, so I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to check all these out. Um, another round was my third favorite movie of last year. It's just incredible. It has the probably the best ending of last year. Um, so it's, cathartic. It's it's also got some of the funniest moments from last year, and I just I'm a sucker when you can introduce like different kinds of philosophy, and not not even necessarily like if we want to go like super philosophical, like um, you know with existentialism and and a bunch of that other stuff. But, but when it's just like this theories on life. And the whole premise of this is this guy has a theory that we should constantly be at a blood alcohol content of 0.03. Mm. And then like they're the, these guys are just like, we're going to test that out. It's like, I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. And it's done so freaking well. I love, love, love this film. So Yeah, I'm also going another round, another unanimous one. And in line with the Academy. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I didn't know. As, yeah. I, again, I feel like the International is like... This might just be one that they uh, they just get right um, mm-hmm. every time. So, okay, uh, that moves us to original screenplay. 
let's start with the obvious trial of Chicago 7. Obviously, it's Sorkin, which means it gets nominated. Yep. Is it worth a Best Picture nomination? Like worth the screenplay nomination or the Best Picture nomination? <laughs> the screenplay nomination. Uh, uh, for a, So this one's original screenplay, right? Yeah. Um... I don't think it's his best. Like, I don't think it's Sorkin's best. It's definitely not as compelling as I feel other ones in recent memory are. But it's not. It's certainly, like, not bad. And, again, considering the films that came out last year, I don't know if there's... There there might be another I would replace it for as a nominee, but I don't know if there's another I would replace as a winner, if that makes sense. So I'll say that... No, it didn't win, but, like... So, for example, I, my wild card for this was almost Palm Springs because um, I think its screenplay is fantastic. But of mm. like looking at these here, I would say that I would probably replace. Oh no, I think yeah. If I was going to replace one, it would probably be Trials of Chicago Seven. It's definitely not as strongest. I would say. I think I think I would replace a different one, and we can get there in a second. Yeah. But um, I adore this film, as mentioned. I actually think this is my favorite Sorkin film. Hmm. Um, I I really love The Social Network, and I really love Molly's Game. Um, so th- these three would be my top three. Um, I also love A Few Good Men, but I would put the, those three aforementioned before. Um, so I, I'm pretty sure this ended up like 36 all time for me. I adore this movie. I think the screenplay is kinetic and just so freaking clever and sometimes too clever for its own good but it doesn't linger there um if there's ever a moment where it gets too pretentious it it doesn't stick around there and like i'm i'm thinking of all these moments that i can remember about the film that are just so impactful and it all happens because of the screenplay like there's that moment where um where uh mark rylance is interrogating the um Eddie Redmayne character and like they're kind of showing the flashback sequences and that's that's just screenplay writing at its finest and like my favorite movie moment of 2020 I think uh, is the moment where Sasha Baron Cohen is just delivering his stand-up mm. shtick and then and he, and then he gives that like like a yo like 50s inside the bar 60s outside the bar and like a bad metaphor and I'm just thinking like it's it's such a perfect way to write a scene like this and Maybe a little too pretentious, but like it doesn't linger there long because then it just an all out brawl. And I, I adore this screenplay. So I would say it's a lot more memorable and entertaining than I think some of the other ones. Like there's some of the movies here that I feel like their strength wasn't their screenplay. Mm. And like. And not to say that, like, Sound of, uh, Sound of Metal doesn't have a strong screenplay, because there's one particular scene that has, like, amazing dialogue. But, mm-hmm. like, I feel like that, that, what I remember about that film is the performances and all the technical aspects, especially the sound and everything. But I feel like, not gonna lie, I feel like this year suffered from a whole lot of lack of choices. Mm-hmm. So, like, some of these, I'm like... Not gonna lie, both Minari and Nomadland have, like, slowly dissipated out of my brain over the past year, and aren't things that I, aren't films that I sit here and talk about and remember still. And, like, Minari was a really great film, but, like, I feel like the original screenplay category is supposed to be the one where it's the most fun and interesting. Sure. And I don't think a lot of these are interesting and unique and different. 
Mm. But, well, I would um, say that there's yeah. an element though of how the story is told. Like I think for me, when I was yeah. th- when I was mulling it over in my head, the reason why I understand Minari and Sound of Metal being in this is because they're telling a story in a way that hasn't really been done before for like Western audiences. Where in you know Sound of Metal, there's the the change from dia- like speaking dialogue to sign mm. language, and then there's Minari where it's the change from English to Korean and, you know, back and front and that kind of like in-between language that a lot of people who, like myself, who grew up in bilingual households are very used to. And so there's an element to that. I think Minari like really affected me on that level too because I do have that experience in my own background Mm. um, where like because we came to Australia when I was basically seven and my mum didn't know English. And so, and I didn't know English, like we didn't know English. And so I had to learn English. And so there, Mm -hmm. and even now when we communicate, it's in this like kind of in between language of like, sometimes it's English, sometimes it's Italian. You never really know what's going to come out when we're conversing. And so Minari really hit me, especially on that coming to try and find new experience, like new beginnings and, and, you know, go to that next level and I think Minari had a lot in its character as well which is why I get the the screenplay nom while Sound of Metal it was this you know it's very interesting to me that Sound of Metal was last year and Coda was this year you know where it's two very impactful stories (laughs) Aaron's just smiling it makes me so happy I love Coda too Code is really uh, great, but I also really just like how we're starting to tell stories in ways that are completely different, and that's why I get both of so, these nominations. So, um, since we've kind of both, since we've, we've all hit on mm. Minari and Sound of Metal, it seems, um, I love the Sound of Metal creepy. Now, also, like, take this as people that don't receive for your consideration stuff, so, like, mm. you know, I don't own, uh, at least, I, I don't know, Shane, do you get some of that stuff? Like What? Like the for your consideration, like where they send like screenplay or whatever, like. No, but that would be cool. Right. <laughs> oh, I know you get a lot of screeners, but like. Uh, yeah, uh, the, you you have to be in like a voting. Right. Body right. to get that, and I am not. So. Yeah. Um. So like, we're we're all saying these without actually having these screenplays. Um. So we're going off of how this how the, how effective the script is for the movie, and I think Sound of Metal is brilliant for this, be- and it's. Because of the restraint that it shows, because you're right, it's telling something in a totally different way. It's the lack of screenplay that really shows. It's it's the idea of we're going to tell what is necessary and we're going to tell it in interesting and in, gosh, the dialogue scenes are incredible. I mean, Shane, you mentioned one scene. I'm assuming that's the scene where he gets kicked out of the house. Yes. Mm. Yeah, because that's pretty incredible. But so was the scene where he first shows up to the house, especially because Riz Ahmed is acting his ass off in that moment yeah. because they're having the like he doesn't speak sign language but the Paul Racy mm. character like he's, he's having to like type in his responses and then like read his read like it's just incredible filmmaking um, and it starts with the screenplay um, being setting the tone for what kind of movie they're going to make I adore this um, mm. and Minari is it's a movie that I really like and I can really appreciate, but I don't understand any of the awards left for it, except for one. Um, in my opinion, it's it's maybe not a best picture. I, I think I had it twenty four on my list uh, of the year. Like I don't, I wouldn't put it at best picture. I wouldn't give it the screenplay. I don't, Stephen Young's fine, but I don't know that he like he's clearly the 
the like not the 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 the, the standout black like the black yeah the black sheep of the the rest of them like mm. he, he doesn't quite fit uh, and I I don't know that the screenplay like changed so I don't know I'm I'm not really impressed with it but I I, I love the story so mm. for for the reasons you were saying Alice mm. it's just I don't know how much the screenplay really had an impact on me, so yeah fair enough and so then, Judas and the Black yeah. Messiah yeah. <laughs> like it's a really good movie. I think we, you know, we have discussed this movie, and it's really, really good. I would say it's just, I, I would say it's got similar sort of reason for being there as you know, Trial of Chicago Seven, in that it tells the story compelling, it tells it different, it's new. I feel like there's to go off Shane's point. There's a lot of chance that if these films had come out this year, wouldn't have even touched the like noms, sure. like the I ones we like talked about some- thus far. Mm. Things in this one that could, like, I don't know. I feel like there were certain things in this movie that they spent a lot of time on that I don't think they really needed to. Mm. Which sure. which apparently is the lead of the movie, Jesse Plemons, because obviously <laughs> the two other actors in this movie were not leads. Yeah. So no, no, they're supporting. They're supporting the title. I don't know. The, it's either Jesse Plemons Jesse or it's... Plemons, <laughs> who, who I felt like, why are we spending this time with this character but like that's a like there's definitely some strong like any mm. scene where um daniel kaluuya is up there doing his speeches and stuff like yeah. that. that's compelling that's compelling writing that's compelling performances but like i do feel like one of my biggest things against that movie was i felt like there was certain things that didn't need to be there and they could have just like tightened the script up a little bit mm. Yeah, it's nomination. I almost feel like there were other films I would have, I definitely would have rathered. Again, Palm Springs, I think, has a much better screenplay than that. Sure. And like it, because it was, I think an element to original screenplay for me is also the the word of the nomination, the original element of it. Like, is how original is this? And. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like the way this is told, it was, it was good. It was, it was really good. Was it best? Yeah, I think Palm Springs would have been a fantastic choice yeah. in this category. And honestly feels like what the original screenplay Oscar should be. Sure. I'll agree with all what you guys said. I think Judas the Black Messiah has a great story. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know the spring that the screenplay is necessarily stand out for it. So mm. um, the performances are what stand out for it. Yeah. Uh, so then that leads us to our winner, Promising Young Woman. I love this movie. Okay, so this is, I've been waiting for this. It is my number three movie of the year and honestly could probably go to number two or number one the more I watch it. But like, I loved Promising Young Woman. I When I went in, I went in with almost no expectations. I was like, all right, let's watch this. The trailers didn't give me, didn't give you that much. They gave you just enough where you thought you were just going into a very simple, like revenge, like rape revenge story. And then it just ended up being this like hyper real. I mean, we, we literally talked about it and we had to split the podcast into two Aaron when the movie came out. And so we all know my thoughts. I thought it was such a great movie and I was so, so thrilled that this one, best original screenplay because i think this is exactly the type of movie that should win best original screenplay um because it's a really different movie it's talking about you know things happening in today's society but in a completely new way the it's a compelling movie even all that aside the movie and the story at its center is compelling and yeah it's all just kind of elevated from a very strong base which is the screenplay so that's my thoughts (laughs) 
I also adore this movie. Um, uh, one of the things that happens when you go to the Sposkers is that um, uh, Dicer likes to give away gifts. And so he has a stack of screenplays and uh, he says, pick one and you can take it home. And so last year I picked Baby Driver and or two years ago I picked Baby Driver, which was a couple years old at that point. Mm. And last year I picked Promising a Woman because I adore this movie. So I actually have the For Your Consideration screenplay for this one. <laughs> um, so it's just in the other room. Um, I, do, I, I adore this movie. Um, yeah, the screenplay, the screenplay is great. Um, it doesn't quite have that like kinetic energy that I really love about like Trial of Chicago 7, um, but it's really solid. Um, it's 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 got really clever scenarios and like specifically i don't know that a scene impacted me as much as the scene where um where she goes to the dean's office that is just intense and gripping and i love this movie yeah i second what alice said this is the kind of movie that this category really shines with and i think this was definitely the most original and impressive of these screenplays and I'm tipping my hand here. Also, side note, that scene with Bo Burnham, though. Oh. Yeah. This is yeah. why I didn't watch Inside. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding, so she, but I actually haven't watched Inside, so. So one vote for Promising a Woman from Shane. <laughs> Definitely from me, too. <laughs> one from Alice. Look, here's the thing. I could not be mad at this winning. Cannot even a little bit. Cannot even be a little bit mad. Or would not even be a little bit mad if Sound of Metal won this. I just I have to vote Trial of Chicago Seven. Yeah. So understand. Uh, I totally agree, and I think you're you're right in terms of like I the the Academy needs to recognize more films like this. I can't get over how much I love Sorkin's energy, and like I don't quite feel that in being the Ricardos. So like I'm not just saying I'm a Sorkin fanboy. I'm just saying like I adore mm. Trial of Chicago Seven. And there's also an element of like I'm from the area. Now, granted, I was born. Mm. 30 years after all that happened but it's like i know these places like hey i, I get know. the same feeling when philly things happen right right yeah oh yeah in any m like Shyamalan movie it's just like wait a minute i remember <laughs> sitting watching the irishman and they're like and we dump the dump the guns in the schuylkill i'm like oh that's why it looks so disgusting <laughs> so yeah i can't be mad at all promising a woman to, uh we're affirming them i just i can't not vote trial chicago seven here which leaves us to adapted screenplay. The Father, Borat's subsequent movie film, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, White, The White Tiger. Let's start with The White Tiger. I haven't seen this film. I really like this movie a lot. Me I too. thought it was a really sharp, interesting, and engaging movie. And how the structure of it had a lot of energy and how it presented the story. Mm. Like, I remember them doing the nominations. I'm like, I didn't realize five other people saw this movie. Yeah. <laughs> get this nominated for an Oscar. Um, but, like, I'm like... Good for that movie. Mm. Like I like I appreciated it getting nominated. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really, you know, speaking on the frenetic energy you mentioned, Aaron, I actually think you'd really like the White Tiger because of that. It is okay. very mm -hmm. it's its energy is very frenetic because of the, the subject matter. It kind of feels like if you took like Wolf of Wall Street and Social Network and kind of like mashed them into oh and and a little just just the the touch of slumdog millionaire and just kind of shoved them all into one movie this is the movie you would end up with um and it was yeah and it's it's really again compelling is the word because the it all kind of centers in on this one character but actually like fully like you see it basically the entire movie basically from his eyes and 
he narrates it and everything too. And so you're kind of following him on his journey from, you know, living in the slums all the way up to, you know, where he kind of ends up. And it's, it's very interesting the way it kind of tells it, it gives you an insight into this area of India as well, or this, this element of India. I was like, Ooh, Priyanka Chopra. Hello there. Did not see you coming up. Um, but she's also really good. Like the way in which the story is told is actually really entertaining as well. Like it's just an entertaining yeah. film. So considering mm-hmm. it's actually, I think a bit on the longer side too. So, um, okay. Yeah. yeah I do recall recommend. this being over two hours. Yeah. Yeah. Really close recommend. to two hours. And this is a Netflix movie in the yeah. US, I'm pretty sure. Mm. So, all right. Yeah, it's a Netflix right movie here too. Yeah. Uh, we'll just go up from the list from where I'm at. Uh, so, Damn One Night in Miami, this is adapted from a play by Kemp Powers, and he wrote Kemp Powers, uh, the screenplay. Um, yeah, this is, I remember my feelings on the movie being it's, it's, it's got a slow start, but when it really gets going, it's captivating. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think I remember the moments better than the the overall structure and everything. And I, I feel like it's a movie that I like watching, but I probably like thinking of more than I like actually watching. Um, so hmm. feels like a play. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I like thinking of the scene where Leslie Odom Jr.'s character, uh, he plays Sam Cooke, yeah. um, goes to perform and they shut off all the electricity on him because he's a black person. Mm. And then he starts a like, you know, stomp and clap rhythm and just keeps on going along with it. And it's like, that's just really creative storytelling. Um, yeah. and, and I love thinking about, I love you know, watching that sequence and thinking about that sequence, not necessarily the things that tie it together. So um, I, I think it was a really yeah. powerful screenplay, but again, it is, I think, because it's based on a play. Like, the the screenplay and the play are kind of... I feel like this happens every time there is one of these movies where it's like, it's based on a play and now it's a, a movie. So the screenplay, of course, is going to be supremely good because it's the play. Um, right. Having said all that, though, I do think that element of it is is very, like, powerful. Like, I feel like, for me, the moments I remember are the... Re- the in- those interactions between the characters and those conversations and then how things kind of evolve out of them. And those are the moments where my, I was really hooked was seeing, you know, the confrontations or the small conversations and just seeing how they evolve and how they move around the hotel room, you know, as they kind of do that as well as they do have these conversations and these moments. So those are the bits that really stand out for me. And then of course, yeah, those elements as well that you mentioned, but for me, it was those character moments. Nice. Shane? I liked it a lot. And, like, the... Obviously, it's all... It's all dialogue and interactions for almost the whole entire movie. So, dialogue better be good. And that's the thing. It, it is riding high on the fact that, like, this is a quality script of a play. And, you know, the trouble with that is where it comes into the actual, like, visual storytelling of it. It's like, is it going to feel like a play? But that doesn't have to do with the screenplay. So, um, but I do really like that. Um, but yeah, I think it was, I'm, I think that Ken Power deserved to get nominated for this. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, so moving on to Nomadland, um, uh, this is one that I think is shocking that it's even an original screenplay. I mean, this really feels like it should be original or even like that it doesn't really have a screenplay if, cause that's the kind of movie it feels like, but it is adapted from a book. Um, and I will not be I, reading I, I don't, that book. I don't. I don't understand this nomination. Like, sure, there are some really memorable moments from some of these characters, but like, it's not because of the screenplay that I care about them. It's, I feel like if anything, 
it's probably moments that maybe aren't scripted that make me care about these characters or the fact that Chloe Zhao casted actual nomads. Like mm. it's, it's this nomination baffles me. Yeah. I'm, I'm telling, I did not finish Nomadland to be like, you know, I was really good about that. The screenplay. <laughs> I don't even think, I feel like I'd fall asleep if I tried to read the screenplay, if I'm being honest. Probably. Like, it'd just be like, and then there's a vast picture, you know, X'd, blah, blah, like X'd, daytime, mid-morning, the sun rises over, you know, like it would just be, a, I feel like a lot of that. We now see Frances McDormand's character having to get up in the morning and wash herself and we see her, like, that's just pretty much going to be the screenplay, right? And that's what I'm picturing. This is why, okay, let me just quickly say, this is why it is so, so important that the the um, Oscars show has those clips where you see the screenplay at the same yes. time as a as a choice scene because that gives you an idea of how it's been laid out if you don't get for your consideration scripts so that's another thing i really th- hope and they definitely need to bring back because then i'm i'm not just going why on earth is nomadland in this <laughs> i definitely remember um picking up the nomadland script at dicer's mm. place and just kind of flipping through but i don't know how much like if the four-year consideration script is like back changed to, to reflect what is exactly on the screen. Mm. So I don't know. Um, and, and it may be a rule that you can't do that. I have no idea. It's just like, it may, it may have to be the original working script, but, um, but yeah, it, it's just one of those that I just, I, this nomination baffles me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I remember. Yeah. It's just one of those things where it's like no Madland got nominated for so many things. Let's just give it more things. Yeah. Cause like, yeah, I don't, Speaking and like of I an- said earlier, mm. this is one of those films that's like slowly dissipating from my brain, honestly. <laughs> and I'm like, and you're going to get that feeling once we get the best picture too. And I'm just like, uh, no. Yeah. So speaking of screenplays that I just had to pick up at Sposkers because I just had to see what it looked like. Borat subsequently. I was about to say, speaking Oscar of nomination. screenplays where I was like, why is this in the screenplay? Isn't it improvised? <laughs> <laughs> like I think so, but and so that's why I wonder, like, and maybe Nomadland, because well, Nomadland is adapted. I don't know what Borat's adapted. Like, I guess it's because it's based it's off of technically adapted because it's based off of characters from a previous screenplay. And oh, that feels like a massive cheat. Well, does that mean every sequel like would be an adapted screenplay? Like any sequel right. that came any out, sequel. any sequel. That's dumb. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. So, not <laughs> take. So, so, but the other thing too is mo- the all like pretty much all the actors in this movie have screenplay credits. So, like, I'm wondering, are they allowed to just say whatever Sasha Baron Cohen was improvising? He was writing the screenplay as he was going. I so, guess so. Nomination kind of baffles me. I guess it just depends on how you feel about the movie. This was my fifth favorite movie of the year. So, like, <laughs> I thought this was I, hilarious. It, it, it's my sweet spot. I adore it. I was uh, screaming during the debutante scene because I was so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I was screaming during the during the one where he uh, where he walks in to the to the the temple, the Jewish temple. Oh, like, and it has what I think is the most wrong and also most hilarious moment. Like that, I maybe ever seen because yeah. he says something like, "I wanted to kill myself, but I didn't have a gun, so I went to the the nearest temple to wait for the next mass shooting." And I'm just like, "You can't say that! 
But then but it's also kind of but like it's kind of also sweet because the, aren't the, the Jewish people from memory? They're like really they're, nice. They're, yes. Well, and they're, that's they're the, the sweetest people ever. That's the only one they broke character. Yeah, like they told them this is this is a thing. Yeah, which I'm glad that they did. Yes. And but. it's it's interesting that a movie that starts so borderline disrespectful <laughs> about it becomes such a respectful scene. Mm. Like, yeah, I baffled. Mm. Um, love it. Mm-hmm. That made me so happy when this got nominated. I'm just like, wow, <laughs> they're they're like, you know, put on the fun pants now. It's just like at least they're not taking. Because like I remember the most distinct thing was when all the best picture nominees got nominated. Mm. And I think it was like Bill Maher or something, just being like, "What? What is the requirement to be best picture? Be depressing?" Yeah. <laughs> it's like okay. Borat got nominated for an Oscar and like a serious one, because like screenplay is like a serious nomination. Oh right? yeah, but like a there couple you go. serious ones. This isn't costume yeah. and makeuping. Yeah. This is, no. Yeah. Uh, which leads us to the father, uh, another play adaptation. Yeah, and that's the I was going to say. Speaking of another one where you can tell, you can see the play in the film, like the whole film. I was like, I literally, this could be a play. I could be watching a stage recording right yeah. now, you know. Um, and I, I did feel that in this movie for sure. I feel like I felt it more than in One Night in Miami, but that could have just been me. Well, I, no, I agree with you. Mm. I, and it's, but, but there's the closed location mm. in one in um. The father. Everything takes place in the apartment. Yeah. One night in Miami mostly takes place in the hotel, but there are scenes outside of yeah. the, the setting. I'm going to gush now because I couldn't because we didn't talk about editing. The editing in this movie is impeccable. Yes. Mm, and is. A, well, and after- I took it off because it would just be us saying the father. No, let's move on. Like, because <laughs> the fluidity of how mm. these scenes go from one scene to another, and I can't imagine how hard that was to write. Like that. That's why this fascinates me so much. Is how emotionally devastating the setups are in this film and how these scenes just flow into each other. Mm. Just, and, like, you feel like this screenplay is capturing what it's like to have dementia, and mm-hmm. it's uncomfortably impressive how well it did doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, this is this is an incredible script um yeah let me I just mean, say this like film saying, really like, depressed me because I, like both of my my dad's side of the family has a history of alzheimer's and dementia so it's entirely yeah. possible that's what's gonna happen to me and so me watching that i was just like this is awful i don't want to experience this yet give me another 60 years <laughs> you know like it felt too real of a preview um and yeah, it was, I do remember walking out and me and my partner were just kind of like sitting there in the cinema afterwards, just being like, that was, that was heavy. Like that is a heavy film, but it's told very s- smoothly. I guess you could say like the way in which it's done is just that, like you said, yeah. like you said, it's the flow. It's impeccable. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I bent the $20 to premium VOD this at home mm. and which I spent way too many of those $20 to premium VOD a lot of movies. But, like, I was welling up sitting in my recliner at home because, like, I live with my grandmother who dealt with dementia for eight years. And, like, this was Mm. uncomfortably spot on and absolutely devastating. And this was my number six film of 2021 because, like, it did actually come out in 2021. But, you know, they shifted the deadlines and stuff like that. Yeah. This um, 
the the only time that I've seen this is Oscars weekend at Dicer's house, and so it was me and Alex um, Henderson, another Civ Hop writer, and Frank Kemp, um, and Dicer, and it was just like completely silent the whole time, and just like you don't want to make eye contact with anybody because you're like, I know I'm just gonna cry if I do, like, mm. yeah. So really effective. Having said all that, I can't not vote Borat here. And I know I'm just taking a, a giant disrespectful poo-poo on the screen. <laughs> like, I, I have nothing but respect for it, but I can't not vote for Borat too. So here's just me hoping that either I'm not alone or you guys can just pull the father through so I don't have to explain myself. <laughs> I'm voting the father. Me too. But I fully okay. respect your choice for Borat. <laughs> Here's the thing. These are the two complete opposite screenplays here, but do both of what they're doing amazing. Yeah. I know. Well, and that's what's like, look, I, again, not even a little bit mad. It's just, I have so much respect for Borat (laughs) 2, especially because we didn't even talk about how they started filming this movie and then the pandemic started. So they just shifted everything in the middle of production. And blame Borat. (laughs) (laughs) And the end. It's so good. Oh Genius. My gosh. Yeah. Like, I can't, like, I like this more than the first one. Mm. And that's saying a lot because I laughed so much watching that first movie. But, like, this had, this went to a whole other level of insanity. I thought that this, the, when I watched it, I'm like, I like this more than the first one. But I think, I don't think that's true anymore. They're very close to me. I think the first one I like more. <laughs> But the second one makes me laugh harder. It's, it's um, interesting just because the second one is so different to the first. It's ironic because they're the same, but they're so right. different. And so well, it really so just depends on baggage. what mood you're in. Yeah, like it's... it's he's just going after Pamela Anderson yeah. <laughs> in the first one. But like, like he's going full-blown at like Trump and stuff like this in the second movie. It's just like, that's a whole other ball. Oh, let's here. not even... Like that whole Giuliani bit is low-key and act like newsworthy well it was a newsworthy thing that happened right. where it was like and it got this- skated right over yeah because you know because america <laughs> so yeah but it's just All like right, that, who, who would have thought that like a stupid satire actually impacted world events like this adam mckay <laughs> wishes he could write a movie like borat <laughs> <laughs> How long until Ron Burgundy shows up doing his own version? Yeah. Oh, if did Don't Look Up get nominated for screenplay? I think I so. Think Let me check. If that wins next year, <laughs> I'm gonna have some thoughts. But that's hey, just. Hey, I really like Don't Look Up. I do too. <laughs> I'm happy with I know one. you did. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on to supporting actor. Um, it did. It see, did get nominated the- for best original screenplay. Good. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's start with we'll we'll end on the two Judas and the Black Messiah people. Um, let's yeah, the like, very we, supporting. We're already talking about this. Borat. Let's yeah. talk about Sasha Baron Cohen in Trial of Chicago Seven. Guys, mm-hmm. I think he's incredible in this movie. Yeah. I, so when I when I did my year end stuff, I I feel I still think this is true. I picked performer performance of the year, um, uh, or performer of the year. So like taking in all things account, and so mm-hmm. I just, I gave it to Sasha Baron Cohen because I was like. When you combine Borat and Trial of Chicago 7, both movies into my top five, like, mm. what a year for him. But, like, I think he's I think he's so good in this role. He really brings the attitude of Abby Hoffman. He really brings this, like, lovable talk back. You know, he's almost like, everything about him screams, like, 
that that middle schooler little shit that everybody hates. Mm. But yeah. like lovable, like, and I don't know how you do that. And a lot of the credit's gonna go to the screenplay, but like, he's perfect. He's so good in this role. Sasha Baron Cohen is do- just an excellent performer. He's just, whether it's the thing about him is that people always, I feel like belittle him because of like his roles as Ali G and Borat and um, Bruno and Grimsby or whatever, where they're like, some of them are stupid and bad, but then he is always really good in the, he commits whether it is a serious role, like in trial of the Chicago seven, I was really happy to see him nominated for that role because I think he does. I actually do of all the performances as well. I think he was the one that was ironically the one, the standout of that movie. There's a lot of fantastic performances in that movie, but he's the one where I was most excited to see his scenes because I just wanted to see more. I kept being left wanting more, which is exactly what I feel a supporting actor should do, should support the story and whoever the lead is, but it should also make you want to see more of them uh, and not be overblown. And I think he just did did such a interesting character. It's such an interesting character piece. And Mm -hmm. yeah, he's just fantastic in it. Yeah, this this legitimized him. Mm. I feel like in many ways, and and it should. Like I was just writing all about him for my uh, one of my articles because I just watched Hugo and recorded my episode on my show for Hugo, and like he knows how to play every character he's playing because mm-hmm. like this is a serious role, and he's a serious man, but he doesn't take things at face value seriously. But underneath, there's a seriousness about him, and he's playing with that. Mm. And that's working on all kinds of levels in this film. And that's why he works so well trying to be that chaos, trying to shake things up in the film. And he's the perfect person to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so uh, Leslie Odom Jr. in One Night in Miami. Mm-hmm. I mean- she should have got the nomination just for that performance at the end of the movie. I mean, for real. So, like, that could have been enough. I mean, he's Tony winning for his role as Adam Burr for a reason. Let's just say that. Like, yeah. I might have just said Adam Burr. I meant Aaron Burr. But, um, yeah. Yeah, he is. I heard Aaron. Okay, good. (laughs) Um, but he, yeah, no. Leslie Odom Jr., I feel like he's him and, like, David Diggs, you know, speaking the Hamilton cast, I feel like they're very much, it's only a matter of time, sort of thing, when it comes to the win. And this really showcased his abilities both singing and acting um not Mm -hmm. enough to to get the win but enough to really just be like you should cast him in more stuff hollywood that's what i really kind of saw it as he's so good yeah i'll i'll just second that i thought incredible performance um vocally and just like acting uh, mm-hmm. Like performing and acting, musically performing. Yeah, um, definitely enough to deserve the nomination. But yeah, yeah I don't think he was gonna, ever going to get the win with this. Mm. Uh, especially, this is a pretty stacked category. So. Yeah, yeah, especially yeah. when you throw leads in it. Yeah, I know. Like, I was going to say, I, especially I, when you start like, <laughs> playing about with the what is it supporting is. Right, I like his performance, but he is five out of five on this one. Like he is, mm. he is the bottom of of this list of that I would pick. Yeah, so, um, yeah. I would agree. Um, so Paul Racy, Sound of Metal. Amazing. Great. Like, I remember sitting watching Sound of Metal, my screener back in like, uh, end October, early November, just being like, give this man a nomination right now. (laughs) Cause like, he killed it. Yeah. He's so good. Cause again, I feel like he really supports 
Riz Ahmed's performance, who obviously has the more showy performance, but like it's so quietly powerful his is where Mm. it's you know you really respect him as a character and what he's been through and where he's landed and his ideals and you understand why he makes the decisions he makes like kicking out Riz Ahmed at the end even though you can see the internal conflict within him as well because this is not a man who doesn't care this is a man who has to do what he does because he cares and because of that yeah I just think oh like you can you can just see the excellence in his performance in every moment he's in for sure yeah i was going to reference that scene again just mm-hmm. to say you can see through for a performance like this it's so dependent on the physical mannerisms mm-hmm. um the the actual uh, use of asl and the emotion that he carries behind it because there's some people that aren't going to look at it. you know this is subtitled during the ASL mm. so there's some people that are going to be just looking at that but like there are some people that are just going to like you could watch this movie without the subtitles and just watch the actors and know what's going on as well as like seeing how incredible everybody in this movie is mm-hmm. uh, I was heartbroken yeah. seeing him heartbroken mm. in that scene like that's how much that made me feel absolutely for sure um okay so Lakeith Stanfield and Judas yeah, in the lead actor. No. <laughs> like, this is just I, like he's fantastic, but it's a joke that he's in this category. Like I was yes. sitting listening to because this was the first year I ever sat and listened to the nominations right. being announced, and I legitimately was like, "Did they make a mistake?" Yeah. Wait a minute, they had to make a mistake, right? Nope. I'm just like, what? They shouldn't be allowed to do that. I just think you try and like submit things like that to the Academy. The Academy should be like, no. <laughs> well, and, and again, like if, if they are both supporting, who is your lead? Yeah. And if yes, there is no lead, then you don't have a movie. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, it works in some, like, for example, with Spotlight, they were all submitted as supporting, right? Because that makes sense. Cause it was an ensemble piece. It wasn't necessarily. Wasn't Michael Keaton submitted for lead? Was he? I thought that they were all submitted for supporting. I feel like that has to be. No, he. I, I swear he was submitted for supporting as well. But okay. I remember there was definitely like there are some movies where they all the all the main cast are submitted as supporting because it is an ensemble piece. There's no like that can happen for sure. But in this case, it is literally a movie about his character and his decisions. And you see him at the beginning and you see him at the end. And the entire thing is told from his perspective. Why on earth, especially because let's be honest, we'll speak on Daniel Kaluuya in a moment. If we're going off those, if we're comparing the performances, which one's the more powerful, Daniel Kaluuya is the better one. I'm just going to say that. So why not just submit him to just because you wanted to have it be like nominated for X amount of Oscars. I feel like that was literally the reason why. I don't know. I think that was such a stupid decision. Having said all this, that, Lakeith uh, Stanfield's fantastic because Lakeith Stanfield's fantastic. And it's a completely different performance to Daniel Kaluuya. It's much more subtle, but it is still really well done. This screwed Chadwick Boseman out of getting nominated for The Five Bloods. Mm. And that really upset me. Because I'm like, he should have been nominated mm. in like for both of those performances legitimately. And like this was just stupid. Yeah. Well, Alice will never know um, because uh, Michael Keaton was not nominated. Yeah, I know. That's what I... So. <laughs> 
So, uh, so somebody out there that can see the for your consideration what they were aiming for, but I don't know. I feel like I, I don't know. I see, I see value to both of ours. Mm. Like Keith Stanfield is incredible in this movie. Yeah, um, he's incredible in every movie he's ever been in, ever mm-hmm. and will be. Um, he is one of the best uh, mm-hmm. talents. Uh, he is absolutely a generational talent. He's so stinking good. Um, I adore him. Another, I feel um, like just about time. Like it'll happen. It's gonna happen. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. just the right performance at the right time. <clears throat> Daniel Kaluuya is also great. You're right. These are very different performances. Daniel Kaluuya is a lot more subtle. Lakeith is a little bit more opportunity to be expressive. Do you uh, mean the other way around? Both, both. <laughs> you said that Lakeith was, um, you said Daniel Kaluuya was more subtle. <laughs> other way around. I don't know, actually. No, really? I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to stand with what I said. Really? Uh, sure. Sure. Daniel Kaluuya has the scene where he busts in and they have to do the things that or like where he says the where he's giving the speech and he says mm-hmm. like uh, I am a revolutionary like yo know, uh or yeah so like sure he has those scenes but there's like the scene where where he gets drugged like mm-hmm. you know he knows what's going on and he's playing along with it and he's just kind of subtle he is so calm mm-hmm. in in powerful in his demeanor in this movie he has moments that he can that he explodes but for the most part it's such a calm subtle thing whereas Lakeith Let's take the same moment where he drugs um, uh, the, the Fred Hampton, and you see like he is shaking, mm. his eyes are bloodshot, he's got a stutter in his voice, like you can see him fighting morally internally. I I think he's given more to do. Mm. Um, that's I mean that's maybe just the way that we remember this movie differently, but I think I think Fred Hampton's it, he has two levels. He's totally go or really chill mm. and Lakeith gets a lot of that like there's always anxiety and always pressure on him yeah and i guess and so sometimes he needs to act out like extra yeah i guess they're both excellent like performances and they both get a yeah. lot to play with in this role i think is just fair to say like this movie stands by its bef- lives with its performances mm-hmm. and that's what i'm going to watch like that's why i went to watch it before the nominations came out because i heard that the performances were insane and so and also we all know by this point that both daniel kaluuya and lakeith stanfield like even from get out where they both kind of burst into the greater world they both had fantastic elements obviously in that case daniel kaluuya was the lead actor and and lakeith stanfield was definitely the supporting um but they both had such like whoa moments and so it was really great to see you know them kind of get even more of a chance to shine in this in this film for sure Mm -hmm. all right who wants to kick us off? Daniel Kaluuya, I'm sticking with it. He absolutely deserved the oh. win. I, I, I think so. <laughs> well, that's two votes for Kaluuya. <laughs> well, I was voting Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah. So. He's not supporting, Aaron. He doesn't get to he's win not, on but he, But if he's in the category, I'm going to, I'm going to, we don't get to change the nominations. Yeah. That would be the first thing we would change, but yeah. Yeah. Um, that's okay. Also, you know, Daniel. I, again, I can't be. Yeah. No, I was going to say also I, Daniel Kaluuya should win just because of his speech. <laughs> Almost his one of the most entertaining parts of the whole whole night. <laughs> so, I again, I was sitting here. I'm like, I'm gonna vote for Lakeith. Mm. I'm pretty sure Daniel's gonna win. I'm totally good with that. If Paul Racy even wins, I'm yeah. excellent with that. Um, so, yep, all golden. 
no hard feelings. <laughs> um, not even a little bit. I think um, Alice actually, and I are on the same page a lot today. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, the only, the only thing is Soul versus Wolf, Wolfwalkers. But you guys are also taking, oh, the Academy picked this right. And I'm like, oh, I would rather this. So, uh, <laughs> we'll see. Um, we're getting, so we're getting to the sticky ones now. Let's see how we go. No, no, uh, no wild cards yet still. So I know. we have uh, five Ooh. more categories. So, oof. Yikes. All right. Supporting actress. Um, let's start with... Hmm, it's been a while since we talked about Mank. Let's talk about Amanda Seyfried and Mank. She's, she's good. Mm-hmm. This is her best performance that she's given. Correct. I would say as of great. today, no, not anymore, though. She's no. already, like, yeah, inched that out. Because of uh, the, the dropout. dropout. She's... No, I haven't seen that. Oh, it's a oh new series on Hulu. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, good for her. Yeah, I, I think this was I think like, that was the thing. It's like yeah. long way from Mean Girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which pretty is much. great Mean Girls. I think it was just kind of like, oh yeah, Amanda Seyfried. I'm going to keep an eye on her in the future. That that's what this movie and this performance yes. was for me. But definitely not. I would have been very annoyed if she'd won. <laughs> like, no. And uh, let's see. Apparently, according to the notes, I have Olivia Coleman for the. the oh, Olivia <laughs> Coleman is amazing in everything. Olivia, yeah, but seriously though, Olivia Coleman is just I. How can one person have so much talent? Like I just watched The Lost Daughter the other day, and I'm just like, I remember. So fun little story. I remember watching her on Graham Norton years ago, before The Favorite, before anyone like most people knew who she was, when she was still mostly known in England for shows, do, doing shows here and there. And then I remember Graham Norton being like, mm, "You're going to become big, you know. It's only a matter of time." And I was like, "Oh yeah." Then all of a sudden, I feel like a year or two later, she started popping up in so many different things from the night manager to the favorite you know and and now she's this like absolute monster performer where she's almost becoming sneak okay tell me if i'm wrong sneaky meryl streep because like she's sneakily becoming a meryl streep but every performance she does guaranteed nomination um because she's just so talented well i mean that is until she wins (laughs) well she's won we'll see she has won she won for the favorite Mm. oh that's right she did yeah yeah which all right I was like, she didn't win for this. But, yeah. That was a uh, that was a trio of performances. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, buddy. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I guess it's kind of that Meryl Streep thing, but yeah, I wonder. I wonder if I, I wonder how 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 we'll see her go in the future. You know, will they look at Meryl Streep and be like, because we kept on awarding Meryl, we couldn't award. <laughs> we shifted to Olivia Colman. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, she's excellent in this movie. Absolutely excellent. Um, mm. Let's talk about Maria Bakalova in Borat 2. Absolute insane talent. Like, I they I don't know how they cast someone who could stand up to Sasha Baron Cohen's energy so perfectly. <laughs> and see the movie from him. Yeah, like right. you you could not have so, someone in that role who didn't just you had to not even fully commit, like over the top commit to this role. Like it is I don't know how what their casting process was, but apply that to all roles from now on because that was perfect. For real, I I remember watching the movie for the first time. And I was like, she's good, but I kind of wanted Borat, like <laughs> not not Borat's daughter, and and like you. Know, but then I watched it the second time. I'm like, no, no, I actually wanted this movie. Like, <laughs> I didn't. I don't know what I want. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. She's, she's she's so stinking good. You're right. It's it's crazy that she could rival mm. Borat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you know, you would th- like you said, Aaron's like you would think you'd like, "Oh, where's Borat? Yeah. I want more Borat." No. Like well, right, you're thinking I want more Borat, but then she's at the doctor's office explaining, <laughs> you know, that 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 he put the baby in me it's and now we need up. the baby to come out. <laughs> <laughs> That's the scene that I was thinking scene, of. And you're like more and then I'm just like all over to it's like please sir i, I would like to i know exactly and in that rudy giuliani moment like if it wasn't for sasha brown going being like no 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 like she was she was committing she was like this is the role i'm doing this and then because he clearly they it had a whole thing about like you never break character ever and she right. you could see the commitment sitting i want to see her in so many not bo- just borat like i want to see her in a like a just dramatic role i think she'd do so well i think that she understands character in a way just like sasha baron cohen that not many people do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um all right let's talk about somebody that literally nobody's thought about for a year uh glenn close and hillbilly elegy this is such a boring choice i have to say like i've not seen it but like i just don't it's, I've not, never worth it. heard it's somebody... not worth the movie watch it's well i know nobody likes the movie but then i've never heard somebody be like yeah but glenn close is worth watching in it or like but yeah she got robbed of the oscar like literally not a single person the only time i've ever heard her in reference to this role which is there were better choices yeah the little girl from news of the world yes yes ellen bernstein from pieces of a woman yes yes Kristen Milioti from Palm Springs. Yeah. Well, is she, she would be leading. She'd be lead. I don't know. I mean, you. I would put her if, if, if Lakeith Stanfield can be supporting actor. Well, if Elizabeth, you use those Elizabeth roles, Elizabeth then there Kennedy are no roles. Tenet, bringing it back to that, I almost, she's sure. way better. Like, there's just so many other choices before I would come to Glenn. Because she's good. I mean, it's Glenn Close. Glenn Close is a great actress, but like. She's entertaining, yeah. But it's such a boring choice for a nominee like it's the most it's the most oscar baity thing i've ever seen in my entire life and i watched it i remember i was doing laundry while watching this movie because it was literally a chore like (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah all right and then we have uh yoon yu jung uh Mm -hmm. from minari this is the grandmother Mm -hmm. Uh, she's great she's the best part of this movie yeah she's so compelling she's like when she enters the movie i feel like it just goes bloop in the quality just goes a little bit higher like yeah and then yep. it just stays yep. there mm-hmm. yep absolutely for sure having said that i'm still okay. voting for maria bacalover as my choice <laughs> oh okay i was gonna ask uh if there's a wild card because i thought that there was gonna Ooh. be one for this category no not for me anyway no the next one's gonna go crazy yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm kind of debating whether i want to use mine then Ooh. supporting actors gosh Let's do it. Okay. Obviously, we're getting rid of Glenn Close. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I don't, I, and I don't even know that I'm gonna vote this way, but I think there's a really incredible performance with Dominique Fishback mm. in Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah. I think she's incredible, especially in the end of that film. Yeah. I'll go ahead and use my wild card here. But who are you voting? Gosh, I don't know. Let me think about it. <laughs> Like, oh, hold on. like, let's just not, like, she's so good, especially in the end of this movie. Like, how do they not nominate her? Mm. Like, and I've never seen her before, and I still don't think I've seen her yet. Like, she's so stinking good. Oh, you will have seen it. Did you watch Project Power? 
Oh, I did. Yeah, I she's the, totally forgot she's about the main really actress in that. After I, yeah. After it ended. And she's about to oh. be in some other really big movie. Let me look it up. Yeah, I don't. I literally forgot about Project Power until <laughs> you just said it again. As did everyone else. I thought I had who I was voting for this going in, but then I kind of feel like I got convinced otherwise. She's in the Hate You the Give. The Hate You Give. No, I'm thinking. Oh, she's of... in the new Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Yeah. With Anthony Ramos. Mm. Oh, and the, the new Apple TV Plus yeah. one, the, the Last Days of Ptolemy Gray. Same with all Jackson. It's great. Yeah. Uh, so either way, she has a super limited filmography. She's excellent in this role. Um, so, mm-hmm. but who are you? I don't know, for? Shane. I feel I feel the same way with you. I feel like I I was set on who I was going to vote for, and now I just don't know. I was Alice, going Alice, with the safe vote of Minari again, but now I'm kind of leaning towards Borat. Bakalova. I was leaning Olivia Coleman, but now I'm leaning Borat. Yes, come to <laughs> the dark. Let's side. all commit. We're yes! all voting for Bakalova here. There we go. Yes! <laughs> Imagine how amazing Let's her speech would have been. <laughs> well, and here's the thing. I'm pretty sure we're not alone in this. I think she was a real, like, mm. sneaky... Like, lots of people were predicting her because they're like, no, she's got a shot. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. so... Uh, I don't think we're alone on that. Um, yes. And, I, and yes, I know. I just used my wild card and didn't vote for it. Get, get on the board. I did that last year as well. <laughs> I just... Especially if it's like really nobody's gonna take Glenn Close out of here. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like this is this is a really solid five. Yeah, really four because I mean you know Amanda Seyfried's not. You know, this is a really solid mm. four um, if you take out Glenn Close as opposed to just you know, four higher than three. Yeah. So and Glenn Close was never gonna win this award. So um, I was a bit right, worried so she was as a career because she still hasn't won. So I was a bit yeah. worried she would, but I'm thankful. Yeah. She I wish you would have won um, wife. Yeah. So no, I do not regret my mm-hmm. wild card, mm-hmm. even a little bit. I stand by it. I just, yeah. Yeah. Which leads us to lead actress. Are both of you using your wild card this time? I am. <laughs> I am. Well, where do we start then? Um, <laughs> let's go through all five. Okay. Yes. And then I'll flip, Those a, are the rules, then I'll flip right? a coin. No. And then whichever, and then you, one of you will call it, and uh, and then you get to use your wild card first. Okay, um, okay. that's fair. So I think that's I think first. that's the most fair way to use this. Um, okay, how good is Carrie Mulligan? Oh, oh, if Amazing. if we're going off like the actual and no wild cards or anything, I really wanted her to win. I really yeah. wanted her to win. Like, I I put her in my Sposkers ballot. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think I did too. I think I did. Too. And, and again, that's one of those that I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is Francis McDormand. But let's not forget, she just won for three billboards. Yeah. And I wonder if the Oscars is gonna t- is gonna take an opportunity to award somebody different. Nope. Nope. Um, and I think Francis McDormand won for Fargo as yep. well, right? She's got two, yep. uh, three, three under right. her belt. Three. So this was their third. She has three um, so actresses. Mm. And and I know there was a lot of love for Viola Davis and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I know lots of people love Vanessa Kirby in um, Piece of Woman as well. But I was like, I think there's a sneaky chance Carrie Mulligan walks away with this. I really hoped, I really wanted her to, because she is amazing in this role. Like, absolutely career-defining. It is just, her, she is what you want to watch like Bo Burnham is in this movie, especially now since Inside and everything, and I still am watching her throughout this whole film because she's just so 
powerful and excellent in every every like look and every choice and the way she acts and it's so different to how i've seen carrie mulligan before um right yeah because she's typically been your daisy from the great Gatsby, yeah. and you know like that kind of role mm. she played daisy right yeah yeah she did yeah gatsby what like the- gatsby because, like, I remember her from, like, Inside Lewin Davis yeah. and Wildlife. Mm. Like, yeah. Not Wildlife. Was it Wildfire? No, it was, well, you're right, it's Wildlife. The wildlife. one with yeah. um, Jake Gyllenhaal. And also, it was, she yeah. was in an education, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and she's so, in Drive. Yeah. But so, she's like, always I, that like, kind of character. She is. Well, a really good, but always that kind. And this one, she just. She's a really bit caustic in both Inside Lewin Davis and Wildlife. And then this was like just ripped that completely off and it's just like geez and she was just a force in this movie mm. mm-hmm. yeah that's the best way to describe her she is a force yep and Should've she won. knocked all the men down along the way yeah <laughs> in the best Even way the in the most entertaining way oh that was like yeah i don't think there's ever been a gotcha moment as good as the end of uh <laughs> promising young woman since the end of the departed yeah <laughs> I'm just like, it just like came out just like, got you. Yeah. It's so good because you're just and so upset. You're like, what? This is how it's ending? And then you're just like, oh, funny oh, what? That's my exact reaction when I watched The Departed for the first time. Yeah. I was so sad and angry. And then the, those little booties <laughs> and that tracksuit. But anyway, we're not talking about The Departed. We're talking about Promising. It's, Promising Young Woman is one of those movies that the more I think about, the more I love it. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, it's the one that I, like, it's not the one I want to watch the most. I think I'll see Trial of Chicago 7 more than I will any of the other films. But it's maybe even Palm Springs. Um, I've seen both of those a good chunk of times. But um, mm. but it's the one that I'm just, like, sitting there thinking, this is excellent. Mm. And it's in no small feat to Carrie Mulligan. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bo Burnham. Mm-hmm. Um wh- Look, I could have easily used my wild card to throw Bo, Bo Burnham in this. I was considering category. it. I was considering yeah. it. Yeah, I really like. Me liked too. It. And and I could have also easily thrown. Actually, we're not there yet. Never mind. <laughs> um, never mind. Oh, if we had wild cards for the next category. Um, yep. Uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, okay. Carrie Mulligan. Um, we mentioned Vanessa, Vanessa Kirby. There's mm-hmm. not been pieces of woman love yet. I I haven't seen this film. Oh, it's depressing. Gee. It's depressing. Oh, that's that's why it's like it's. I know it's not a light watch when you turn it on, so that's nope. why. I... But all the acting is incredible. Mm-hmm. Even why I threw Ellen Bernstein's name out back when we were talking about the supporting actress. But like Vanessa Kirby has so much to carry in that film, mm-hmm. and even just like the whole entire first half hour of the movie is a whole entire process. Oh my gosh! All in itself, and that's just a roller coaster ride, and that's the cold open. Yeah, yeah. So all no, thirty v- minutes of it. Vanessa Kirby is just yeah, she's amazing, impeccable in this movie. Um, I adore her. She's so great Both for her skills and for her appearance. <laughs> <laughs> but like, she's so she's so great in this, and I feel like in another year it would have been an easy win. But um, sure, yeah, I just which. How crazy is it that we're saying that about films in 2020, where we're literally saying, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, but as a performance, like, this is just, oh, it's insane. It's, it is. <laughs> Aaron, if you're going to watch this, make sure you have a comedy lined up, because, oh, 
my gosh, I just wanted to just sit and just stare at the wall after I finished this movie. I was so depressed. <laughs> well, and I feel like when this movie came out, lots of people were talking about the first 30, mm. 45 minutes are excellent, and then the rest of the movie's good. But I feel like people have to come around to being like, no, the rest of it's really great too. Like, it's just the first 30 yeah. minutes is so excellent. It makes the right. rest of it just right. feel good. But it actually is all all really great. We were talking about this before we started recording, uh, but a, a movie that's really terrible <sighs> is uh, the U.S. versus Billy Holiday. So but depressed. a performance that's really excellent is Andra Day as Billy Holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's 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 the only reason to watch this bad movie, literally. And even then, I st- I don't I know that it's quite it. enough. Like it's only because she, she destroyed her throat and her body for this movie that I like out of respect for what she put herself through for this role. I was like, okay, but I've I remember when I finished watching that movie, I was with my friend we were like watching it at home and i was just like that was really bad <laughs> like, oh. yeah. i got a screener for it and like i was just like how do like this was the first time i got a screener for a movie that i really didn't like yeah and uh, i mean because i guess like i got a screener for cherry that a movie that i hated but like you don't get asked for individual screeners for Apple. So I'm like, you don't have to interact with anybody. Yeah. And then right. they so it's email like, you if somebody it, has to follow up, how do I tell them? I really hated your movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. I get screened for a lot of movies that I hate. So yeah. Well, and it's, but, but like, I would probably just say like, Andrew day is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's it. That's what you gotta do. You have to find like, it was shot so well. <laughs> now send me another movie, please. <laughs> Andrew Day is great. More like that, please. Yes. Yeah. I movie. I just felt bad because, like, I just this was unbearable to sit through in some mm. way. Like, I just I struggled to get through this movie. Yeah. My streaming wasn't great the day that I watched it, so I was watching this movie in like 720p, and I'm not mad about it. Like, it definitely was not like a great picture. Um. So. Yeah. It was. I yeah, definitely. I might, I might even like, hated it more if I could. Entirely yeah, I definitely much. paused the movie a few times just because I needed a break so I could get through it. It was like, it felt so long. I remember I just was like, all right, can we just, can we skip, skip to the main bits? Like, But again, Andrew Day, yeah, incredible. Literally totally the only reason, the only reason yep. worth watching it. Just go and watch a all like best clips of Andrew Day in the US versus Billy Holiday. Do not put yourself through this movie. Just the- that's right. Yeah, which uh, leaves us with uh, Viola Davis and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Mm. Question: the other- How much screen time did she actually have in this movie? I think it was like twenty minutes, right? I think it was in the trivia. Viola Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Not not more. I know the name Davis. of the movie is Ma Rainey, but is she really a lead? That was my question after I watched this movie, and I'm just like, um, I don't no, know. This felt like no, your lead is Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. And maybe one or two of the other musicians, and or maybe even the producer. I don't, she's supporting. She should be supporting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Either way, she's remarkable. Yes. She has 26 minutes this- and 41 seconds of screen time in a one hour and a half movie. So it's... A third? Yeah, about a third, which... Yeah. She does, I guess her, you could say that her character is the reason and, and kind of like helps progress the mo- events of the film, but Chadwick Boseman is definitely the lead. There was, uh, there was never a moment that I wanted to be a professional critic before um, than showing up at Sposkers and seeing some of the gifts that Dicer gets sent. Mm-hmm. Like Marriage Story sent a blanket, <laughs> um, Roma sent a pillow, 
like some some other stuff. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom sent eight ounce glass Coke bottles that on it says share a Coke with Ma Rainey. Oh, that's cool. I I don't even I don't I think the movie's fine. Like I like the movie. Yeah. I love the performances. I want that Coke bottle. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Because that, that's how you do props well. That's how you do for your consideration gifts well. Yeah, because it's such an important part of the movie. So, yeah, that's right. super cool. It's memorable. Mm. And and yeah, it's not that hard to store a small eight-ounce glass bottle. Yeah. But with actual Coke in it, it wasn't, you know, mm. fake. <laughs> there you go. Um, anyway. But yeah, no, Viola, da- I mean, again, this is classic, like, Viola Davis is Viola Davis, and so she's fantastic in anything that she puts her name to, you know? Whether it's, like, this, or Suicide Squad, she's always amazing. Sorry, Oscar-winning Suicide Squad. Oh, God, don't talk to me about that. Shane, anything to add? No, she was great. I just don't think she was a lead in this movie. No, she was a sure. supporting. Bump her out, put Glenn Close, like get rid of Glenn Close, put Viola Do- Davis in supporting, and then put who I'm about to put. <laughs> well, we got to talk about Frances yeah, McDormand yeah, 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 first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's great in Nomadland, but this this movie doesn't live and die on her necessarily, but she's excellent. <sighs> she's good. I don't know. Hot take? Well, I don't know if she's nomination worthy, to be honest. I think she's the focus, and she's very good as the focus in the film. But she, I haven't thought about. Let me, let me clarify what I said. Yeah, she is excellent for what the movie needs her to do. Yeah, I agree. I probably wouldn't have necessarily nominated it. Yeah. So for what the movie needs her to do, excellent. Mm-hmm. Not the most memorable, especially when you consider her other two wins in Fargo and Three Billboards. Like, yeah, yeah. Those are the those are the standouts. So what I'm gonna. So I'm going to let Alice go first. Oh, And depending on if we're willing to adjust rules or not, I might save my my uh my wild card for another category. Oh. All right. Let's hear your wild card, Alice. Okay. So, having said that, I'm bumping Frances McDormand cuz even though Viola Davis is more of a supporting actress, I still think her performance is better. So I'm getting rid of the winner here, <laughs> and I am right. bringing in Elizabeth Moss for The Invisible Woman. Mm, the Invisible Man. Sorry, The Invisible Man. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> and she has my vote huh? for Best Actress, because that's who I was going to put in. <laughs> nice. Excellent. Right. There you go. Happy ending. Uh, because my gut, well, Alice, go ahead first. Because you oh, I just think Elizabeth Moss is another one where I'm just waiting for the right role in the right movie for her to get a nomination because she's probably one of the best working actresses right now. Mm. And I was so upset that she didn't get a nomination because yeah, she's so good. The Invisible Man. I think it's your classic sort of like <laughs> horror movie racism or something <laughs> from the Oscars, but like she is so good in this movie like the movie itself is really good but she is the movie doesn't work unless she works at all the movie's quality would take a huge dive if they'd cast the wrong person and you believe her you believe her when she's a hundred percent like committed there is someone stalking me and he is invisible you believe her when she starts to think that she's losing her mind like her ability to do these like crazed faces with the like twisted smile and like when i read books sometimes and it's like oh they they had a twisted smile blah 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 i'm always like what would that look like on a person's face 
And Elizabeth Moss somehow manages to bring this to life in her role sometimes. Mm. And it's just perfect. She Her performance is perfect. I love her in this role. And she should have gotten a okay. nomination. So, you know, what's funny is I've been... At one point, I took out my notebook and I'm looking at my fifth annual Wasteland Reviewer Awards from last yeah. uh, from last year where I pick all my nominations and winners. And I had her down as Best Actress of the Year because I thought she was the most amazing, powerful performance of the year. Mm-hmm. It was. It felt like Toni Collette in Hereditary. Yes. Like coming in here and just demolishing the screen. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, now that she's nominated, I'm voting for Elizabeth Moss. As am I. You know, you you brought it up, and then I started making my assessments, and I wrote down Carrie Mulligan, but as you were talking, Alice, I was like, you're right, this is Elizabeth Moss's award. So we'll have a unanimous one. And it's for the reason that Carrie Mulligan is excellent. Yes. I can see other actresses in this role. Yeah. Elizabeth Moss makes The Invisible Man the movie that it is. Yeah. I can't see other actresses in that role. And they're both excellent. Yep. So yeah. There we go. So our... (laughs) Um, for the record, I considered using a wild card for this uh, category to nominate Aubrey Plaza from Black Bear. Mm. Interesting, because she's incredible in that in that movie. And if you haven't seen Black Bear, you should watch it. I haven't, I but it is on my list. Yeah, you love that pick. Nice. Yep, that was that's inspired. I was going to take Viola Davis out. Uh, well, I was originally going to take Andre Day, but after how much you both talked her up, I'm like, I kind of feel bad now. <laughs> I would have even allowed if you yeah. wanted to bump Viola Davis to supporting and kick Glenn Gloss out because I, I think that's I don't it's I don't think it's a stretch to say she probably belonged in a different category mm. and so we're just gonna bump we'll bump her down kick Glenn like I would have probably but I would think we could have she's been kicked out she for fences she got kicked down to supporting actress when like yeah no I would I would have allowed if you were gonna kick her out I was yeah. gonna say no we're gonna bump her down yeah um this this is and then, why, I guess since I already put in Dominique Fishback, we could have kicked out Amanda Seyfried. Yeah. Um, and this is why category fraud is a real issue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yep, I was going to consider putting in Aubrey Plaza, but I just decided we can't let Glenn Close sit there. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. That's totally fair. We cannot let this here. happen. <laughs> yep. Woo-hoo! All right. Big, big Guys, category. we left. Yeah. We left. All right. Oh, let's start. I already gave a little bit of thoughts. We got lead actor now. Mm-hmm. I gave a little bit of thoughts on Steven Yeun earlier mm-hmm. when I was talking about Minari in screenplay. I just, I like this movie. I don't necessarily love any of the aspects of it. Maybe directing is the best, mm-hmm. right? Like the best aspect of this film. I, I think Steven Yeun is totally good in here. And I, th- I hope this is a career boost for him. Like, I hope this gives him more roles like this. Cause I think he has the ca- capacity to do an Oscar winning role. I don't, I just don't see it in this movie. I don't see the nomination. And it's not like this is a a year that didn't have anything going for it. I mean, you could easily, I mean, I, maybe Shane uses his wild card, put Sasha Baron in here for Borat, like, or bump the key Stanfield up here to, to, to lead and put in a, a, another no wild card considered know. Andy Sandberg for Palm Springs. Mm. I just didn't want to waste it. Cause there's no way we would have voted him. Um, so, I, I contemplated using it for this category, but my, like, definitive winner's already here, so right. I'm not going to use it here. Well, and that's fine, you know, and again, and that's, 
totally fine. And especially if you're going to do what I think you're going to do, I think that's going to make everybody happy. Um, but, I don't know if you uh, know what I'm going to do. <laughs> but I think... Um, Make it more interesting. What I will say about Steve right. Moon is I don't think this is his best performance of the year. I think his best performance is Invincible, personally. Like, oh. show. like if we're going to go off, like, I don't... I think, obviously, that's a TV show and it's an animation and this is a movie. I think he's really great in it, but I also don't think it's his, even his best performance of the year. Um, I think it's one of those weird performance nominations where it's like, it's all about- Well, Invincible premiered in March 21. Did it? So it was after nominations closed, yeah. Oh, I don't even know. (laughs) That year started to just- In that case, (laughs) we're going to start doing a category for like a vocal performance of J.K. Simmons. Exactly. Oh my god! I legitimately consider J.K. Simmons in Palm Springs mm. for supporting actor because mm. he's so good. And um, all three of them are so good in that movie. I know, I know. that I know. movie's just a really good movie. Oh no, I was just gonna say, like, it's one of those performances where I feel like there's a few every year where I'm just like, I mean, I get it, but like, I don't really get. Like, I, I logically, as a film student, I, I understand, but. I don't get it. And and for me, like, for example, sure. for me this year right now, it's Cody Smith-McPhee where I'm like, I get it. Sure. I'm totally with you. Yeah, but I don't get it. And this is this is it for me with him. Well, especially the- well, And I'm going to be upset if he a, wins over Troy Koster. Yeah. Well, I, I thought he so was going to be- I thought he was the shoe-in, but Troy Kotzer has been taking taking all the major Racking awards. He was, the fr- he was the front runner <laughs> when the year ended, yeah. Cody Smith-McPhee, but- I'm, I would be really to glad if he did because I think the nom's enough. He's so young. Give him some time. He'll be fine. But, like, anyway, with this, this is such a – Well, not just that excuse, but Troy Costa. No, it's not that excuse only, like, but it's, like, if but... that was an excuse. I don't, I don't think that he's even, to be honest, the second or the third in the category, to be honest. Um, I, I think he's above Jesse Plemons. <laughs> I don't get Jesse Plemons. You want to talk about another one I really don't understand, especially when there were others. The wild cards that will happen, let's say, next year when we're talking about this are going to be insane. Um, but with this one, this particular category is such a stacked car, stacked cast, a stacked category, I should say, that um, I feel like he just kind of rounded it out. You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, yeah, and Stephen Yin for Minari. Mm-hmm. Could have been Mads Mickelson. Yeah, should have. Right. Should have. Or Delroy Lindo. You, you know what else could have been Delroy Lindo or Mads Mickelson? Gary Oldman. Because, like, mm. he's fine. He's Gary he's Oldman. Not great. He's great. He's, <laughs> right. he's Gary Oldman. He's doing good work. Yeah. But he's not. He's always doing good work. But I feel yeah. like it's still the technical pieces of Mank. Mm. That, and, like, yeah. that's why I felt like the directing nomination for Fincher made more sense. Yeah. Yes. Because, like, the and the best picture that. nomination. Mm. Yeah. But, like, I don't think Gary Oldman needed that nomination. He no. just won. He's fine. <laughs> well, and again, maybe if he hadn't already won. Yeah. But, yeah, it's. But I, I think there's three. Right. I think there's three obvious, like, powerhouse performances here. Yes. Well, let's get the other one out of the way. <laughs> let's get Riz Ahmed in here. Because, you know, it's going to. Like, we. He's so this good. Is the conversation that happened last year. Yeah. Riz Ahmed is so stinky good. How on earth was he not. In just as much contention for this award as Chadwick Boseman and Anthony Hopkins, I just I think, was yeah, I think well, he's he's doing something very different, and maybe the Academy just wasn't ready for it. You know what I mean? Because the other two, while still fantastic, they were more palatable, I reckon, in terms of an Academy standard. Sure, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, 
They yeah. were your more traditional Oscar-winning roles. Yeah, I was. What I was going to say is, I <clears throat> similar to Paul Racy when I was sitting and watching my screener for Sound of Metal, I'm like, give this man a nomination yeah. for his Ahmed, because mm-hmm. like I was floored by his performance, and that's what pains me about this category is because they're so great, mm. but one of them. I'll hold that for a second, though. <laughs> well, um, let's talk about the other non-winning uh, nomination. Chadwick Boseman in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Which will go down as the most uncomfortable not win in the history of the Oscars. Because people are stupid. And took a I, terrible game. I just, I legitimately couldn't believe it. And it's because of the way they presented the award. Because they they did Best Picture before this. Mm-hmm. This was the final award given that night. And they had run the In Memoriam reel mm-hmm. before this. At like 2.5 so like, speed. It was like weird. Yeah. I just. Yes. But it was, but it was just like, you gotta think the that that Steven Soderbergh thought that he was gonna win. And it, and it would have been a great moment. But instead. Nobody could talk about how good Anthony Hopkins is in The Father mm-hmm. because we could only talk about how badly the Oscars bossed it for the next mm-hmm. week. Still a year so, later. Right, still a year later. <laughs> but that was all we were talking about for a week. Like, Yeah. I just... I just... I cannot believe... I don't care that Steven Soderbergh is one of, like an amazing director. I really don't care. Someone should have told him no. That is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire life because not only did he not win, Anthony Hopkins wasn't in attendance in any way, shape yep. or form. And it just walking Phoenix, you can tell was just like, uh, 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 uh the worst possible person to have up there. I know social anxiety and they put him up there to crash and burn. Yeah. And then it just like literally demon. credits roll. Like, I feel like you could have easily put the curb your enthusiasm theme song over that because it just started going dun, 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 dun. It felt like a, cur- yeah, it felt like a curb episode ending. You know what I mean? Where you're just like, they should have just this had is Larry real. David go out and give the award. Yeah. Like, this is just like when they did best director, I was like, I remember being like, oh, okay, I guess they're for some reason pushing lead actor to second last or whatever. And then they did best picture. And I'm like, did they forget about lead actor? Like, I just, I was so, and then I'm like, okay, well, obviously it's because of this reason. And then it wasn't even. And I just think it was such a smack. You're right, Aaron. It was such a smack in the face of the fact that Anthony Hopkins did have an, a fantastic performance but obviously it was all, you know, it's like if when Heath Ledger died and he got Dark Knight, they'd for some reason pushed it all the way to the end and then someone else won. Like, um, uh, who else was nominated? Robert Downey Jr. Stanley Tucci won. For, there. Yeah, like, and then Stanley Tucci won for Lovely Bones. Like, it's just like, what? How does this happen? I just hope that they've learned their lesson. That's all I'll say. Ugh. There should be a... Now, I, I, I kind of get the idea. They should have this award is presented in this category, in this um, order. chronological yeah. order every year. But then you know, but then they know that people would be dipping in and out, and it's like you're already worried about retaining people. Like that's the reason why people. And so mm. like you, it should be chronological. This is the order yeah. every year. So both of these performances are excellent. Yes. Both yeah. of these performances are probably clear, career best. Hopkins is debatable because no, Science it's not. Lambs- it's not Anthony Hopkins' career best. I'm. I, I know my, that might be a hot take, okay. but it's not taken over Hannibal Lecter. Like I'm just. <laughs> well, so 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 that was the you know it's maybe 
and I'm a big fan of him in Westworld. Mm. I think he's incredible in Westworld. Mm. So maybe his career best, maybe may, pro, quite possibly, almost probably Chadwick Boseman's best. So it really comes down to, unless Shane is going to use his wild card here. Which I am not. Okay. Are any of us voting for Riz Ahmed? No. <laughs> okay. Because like a small part of me wants to. So who are we going to vote for for the actor Oscar? Shane, we'll start with you. Anthony Hopkins. I will vote for Chadwick Boseman. So will I. pressure on Alice. Okay. I, okay. This is my things. I understand that you have to go off performance alone, right? I understand that. But I feel like there are some times when you have to consider outside elements. And you have to this year consider Anthony Hopkins. Yes, fantastic. Amazing. I would say Chadwick Boseman is equal in his talent for this performance. I'd say they're both, like you said, Aaron, they're both absolutely, I would say in quality, equal. They're right there. And so what is the differentiator for me? The differentiator is for A, Anthony Hopkins already has a win, right? He's got one. He's happy. He's winning his, he's living his best life. Chadwick Boseman will never get a chance to win again. And like ever Except for an honorary life. Yeah, sure. Award. But like for a proper win, this was his, like, it's the same with Heath Ledger. He'll never ever. And this performance is a hundred percent. Sorry. I'm getting so passionate because this was me on the night. I'm remembering the night where I was like arguing this against my friends. Cause I was like, he does. This is a performance that is a hundred percent deserving of a win. A hundred percent. There are so many performances that win where I'm like, really? But it's like, for example, the favorite this year is Will Smith, right? To win. I don't think he's deserving based on performance, but he's probably going to win based on it's about time, career, blah, blah, blah. Why do you not just give it to Chadwick Boseman? Why do you take, why do you decide Academy now? Oh no, let's do it based on like, oh, who I think is the best. Like, I think Chadwick Boseman 100% should have gotten this win. And I do think it's because if it was obvious that Anthony Hopkins' performance was the better one of the two, great. But you really have to think about it. And I think for that alone, it means that Chadwick Boseman should have walked away. Big, I'll step off my soapbox now, but well, it's like a whole his thing. family should have walked away. Yeah, the family and just the, the yeah. career. Like, he, he so- yeah. I, I, I'm going to just essentially echo Alice. It's about the performance, but these are equal, equally incredible performances. And it, if it's really equal, we're gotta, we got to make that split. It's, this isn't like we're trying to put, let's say let's say Mank was Amanda Seyfried's last role. This isn't like we're trying to push her to uh, above yeah. Olivia Coleman. Like, this isn't like we're trying to push Glenn Close and Hillbilly Elegy above. Like, so so that's that's why I'm going to also vote Chadwick Boseman. Mm. But, like, I don't think anybody can be mad with either of these no. things, right? No. Unless Shane's just like, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to think it anymore. I'm not saying anything because I don't disagree with how important that would have been. Like For me, I think Anthony Hopkins gave one of the best performances I've ever seen. Yeah. But that's just insane. He's so stinking good. But the thing is, like, I just think that was so much disrespect. Because, like, here's the thing. They obviously don't know who won. Yeah. It's an audited sealed thing by the accountants don't gamble with that like it was so dumb it wasn't a strong enough gamble yeah no you should everybody was always 50 50 leading up to it it wasn't a sure thing like heath ledger was i'm you can i'm risk adverse you should never (laughs) have made that gamble in anything nothing should go on after best picture Mm. you're saying that that performance is more important than any 
film as a whole yeah. doing that, and that's just dumb. Yes. But, that performance is better than Nomad Lane, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's like... Okay, <laughs> I'm not going to argue with that because we're going to talk about that. And it ha- if you haven't figured that out at this point, Nomadland has like slowly dissipated from my brain. Has anybody year. watched Nomadland since? No, and I'm not going no. to. <laughs> no, but that's the thing. I can't argue with that. Mm. And Chadwick Boseman gave the perform- performance of his career. And for me, what made it easier is because I gave him supporting actor, mm. like hands down. Mm. Sure. I- I gave him that for the five bloods. He should have yeah. been a double nominee, mm, which is also makes me so upset why they did the category fraud and supporting actor. And uh, the, the yeah. worst part of me, this is the best possible outcome, right? Mm-hmm. The he could have won supporting actor for the five bloods and it wouldn't have mattered whether he won Ma Rainey or not. Yeah. Um, the worst part of me when they were reading the awards were like, did they mix up the same black per like different black people and said like keep stanfield instead of chadwick boseman mm. for the five bloods and then i realized no they're just dumb yeah and committing category fraud yeah but well, honestly that was one of the first thoughts in my head i'm like ooh, that's bad <laughs> but anyway yeah. we have more categories <laughs> i don't want we we talked about how this was neck and neck for that i don't want to like underscore how good resume is mm. inside the metal he he could win this year's best actor for me, like to me. Um, Hang on, I need to remember who the other nominees are. Yeah, like I'm, certainly he was Ooh. better than, than Will Smith was, like he, which he's great. What 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 what's some of the? I don't know. I I personally missing? think Andrew Garfield and Benedict Cumberbatch are fantastic in their roles. Like they'd be the other two for me, huh? Yep. Tick tick boom. Tick tick boom. Uh, yeah. So I I couldn't remember if he was nominated because I all right fine I'll take Andrew Garfield and tick tick. Yeah. Um, I won't take Cumberbatch over Riz Ahmed. Okay. Um, not for those roles. I just I couldn't remember. I know it wasn't nominated for Best Picture, which is sad. Yeah. That would be my pick. Um, <laughs> Spoiler for next year. <laughs> so, we don't, we don't know. I might have feelings changing here. That's true. Especially, especially, I'm more passionate that Mass should, should be nominated. Oh, yeah. So I would wildcard Mass in before. Anyway, <laughs> teaser for next year. Um, but we'll see if my feelings change. Yeah. We just got Director and Best Picture. And Best Picture should really be pretty simple. Yeah. Um, because we've talked about all these films mm-hmm. pretty much at length, and so say we most of these we've talked about as well. We've talked about all um, of them. So let's yeah, let's so let's start with another round mm-hmm. since we just haven't really like. I'm enjoying specifically the direction. I'm enjoying that for the last three years. There's been uh, some foreign language films in the director and the picture category. I think that yeah. that's good and it needs to happen more this should be a best picture nominee as well. It, yeah, and it should this absolutely should. Yeah, it should. I can't believe it wasn't like. Oh gosh, what would I take out? I'd probably take out Minari, but Minari, Mank, Nomadland. Yeah, I, I mean Mank. I would personally take out Mank and obviously Nomadland, but like, yeah. Anyway, point is like it. Another round is I, I do like that. It feels very, very slowly <laughs> that the Academy is being like, hmm. Just because a film's not in English doesn't mean it only has to go in the foreign language film co- like category. It can be good on other levels. Like this year, we have a few in a few different categories, like Flea and yeah. The Worst Person in the World and Drive My Car. Obviously, we've had Parasite like in recent years, and then last year was another round. And I just think it's great because we should expand the world's thinking of like what is good film from you know western english speaking countries to the rest of the world and um i yeah another round is just so 
it's just so f- like fun to watch, but also really compelling. Yeah. Yeah. And the way there's he also directed- an interesting thing that Vinterberg does, where he kind of shoots this as if it's a documentary. Mm. Like he really wants you to feel that way. He really wants you to feel like we're just kind of observing these guys doing this thing. And so there's there's like it's not shaky cam like you see of like born, but it's there is some shaky cam. There is some sneaky shots, almost like you're in the other room that that they don't want you to know that you're in. Like there's some really clever tricks mm. that they use directing lights for this and between another round and the hunt mm-hmm. Vinterberg and Mads Mikkelsen is a guaranteed W I'm so. waiting for Mads Mikkelsen to get his nominees and his win like he's another actor where I'm like it's a matter of time it's it. a matter of time gotta have it <sighs> all right yeah like the, all right. the even just directing the final scene of another round yeah. like come on <laughs> like he could yeah. just got nominated just for that yeah so We've talked about uh, Fincher for Mink. Mm-hmm. We talked about the technical aspects being yep. great about it. It's it's hard to argue this nomination. This is totally deserving. I mean, Fincher's Fincher. He's great at what he does. He's, you know, yep. laborious, sure, but he is a... just wish he had a better source, you know, better, better source material. Yeah, and I mean, I get it. It was, it was written by his dad. dad. It yeah. was a, you know, passion project. I just, right. like, is it his best? No. Is it in his top five? No. <laughs> Like no. no, but you gotta you gotta respect the fact that like you're right that that, that his father wrote mm-hmm. this and he 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 got to do this yeah. and that I know look you know that's reward enough for him, yeah but plus the Oscars yeah. they won he, he, <laughs> right but he's he's deser- he's deserving of his yeah. his best director nomination he didn't Absolutely. skimp just because it wasn't him that wrote the screenplay and that was good to see Correct. like he did yeah. the best he could. Um, with the screenplay that existed. And, you know, it would have been, I feel like it would have been really easy for him to take the screenplay and tighten it up, um, but he didn't. Sure. And that, I have respect for that, for sure. Absolutely. Who won, yeah, maybe we'll get David Fincher's bank soon. You know? Yeah. Like, uh, the, release the Fincher cut, you know. Um, <laughs> um, Lee Isaac Chung, I mentioned as Minari. I think that this is probably the best aspect of the film is the directing. Um, you could t- you can just tell that everything about this, this is a very personal story for him. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. It's very competently made as well. So. I agree. Um, and Emerald oh Fennel for a promising young woman. That's the other Amazing. One, so. Amazing, brilliant, yep. impeccable, ama- perfect. She's great. I mean, she wrote the screenplay. She directed it. This is this is a woman who has a fantastic eye, and I want her to make more films. And it's just bizarre to me that she played Camilla in The Crown because <laughs> it's so weird that she was Cam- she is Camilla in The Crown, or was, I guess now, Camilla in The Crown, and then she was like, oh, I'm also going to make one of the best movies of the year on the side of this. Like, <laughs> Yep. Uh, and then Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. We've we've kind of expressed our feelings about this. A totally worthy nomination. The directing is pretty superb. It's just not a sto- like it's stories that I care about. It's just <laughs> so far from it. I think there's a better story. way right. to tell it. And honestly, I almost feel like um, I don't know if either of you have seen the documentary Ascension um, that's nominated nope. this year. Um, it's basically like looking at. Uh, Chinese like society and stuff from the bottom to the top. It's really, really good. I do recommend it. But I almost feel like that's a better version of this movie. <laughs> like, yeah, it feels like this probably should have just been a documentary. Yeah. 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 So it's my time <laughs> to go big or go home. Okay. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to save for picture. All right. I wanted to shake things up and go a little bold here because mm-hmm. the one movie that I thought about the most probably from 2020 
And the biggest reason why it works in any way, shape, or form as it does is because of its direction. And now I kind of feel like a jerk because we just talked about how personal this was, but I'm going to take out Lee Isaac Chung and replace him with Christopher Nolan for Tenant. Ooh. And I'm voting Christopher Nolan for Tenant because why the hell hasn't he won a directing Oscar at this point? Uh, Like, you can make so many different arguments about other aspects of his films from, like, you know, sound design in his films and maybe his scripts as well. But, like, the man directs the hell out of everything. He's the Scorsese of the modern age where it's going to be, like, ages until the right one comes along that he finally wins for. And honestly, Oppenheimer could be it. That's exactly the kind of movie that the Academy would award. He's going for it. Yeah, he's like, screw you guys. Biopic. The Academy does love white people. Screw you guys. (laughs) Um... No, I I think you're right. This is a very personal story, but I I don't think that takes away. I would have I would have been more offended if you took out Fincher for me mm. because we talked about no, I, the achievement, the technical aspects, and how yeah. it is such a personal mm. story for him as well. Um, I maybe have a sneaking suspicion we we might have to actually talk about this for a little bit. I, I'm going to go ahead and vote Thomas Vinterberg for another round for this one. I'm voting Emerald Fennel for Promising Young Woman. <laughs> yeah, here we go. So who's going to so- vote first? <laughs> oh no. Right. What do we do? So <laughs> Making things interesting. All three different picks, none of them are the one that actually won. Yeah, I know. Huh, what does that say? Alright, let me, let, me, let me explain why I didn't pick Nolan. He's still can't figure out sound editing for this film and i think that tenet is a film that i've thought about a lot but i think this is a brilliant film after 10 times that you've seen it Mm, with (laughs) subtitles it's with subtitles it's just this is all right so this is um this is nolan making a film that is not meant to be understood the first time he's going for rewatches that's fine but it's a little bit up his own ass and if we, if we're really wanting to reward for Nolan for his best work, Tenet is near the bottom of, of the list for me, and I like Tenet, right? Mm. But Inception is his best work, or or, or the Prestige, for, the Prestige. I like Batman Begins more than The Dark Knight, but either one of those mm-hmm. would be worthy of a best director. Like you're not going to get me to budge on Nolan. You're more likely to get me to budge on Emerald Fennel for sure. Yeah, I, I I'll just, do that. But but I would rather have. Nolan in there than Lee Isaac Chung for sure. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm not upset at the nomination because he has he even been nominated yet? Yes. Oh, he has. He got nominated for Dunkirk, right? Did he? Yes. Okay. Well, at yep. least there's that. But which, like, <laughs> that is like that is just an exercise in tech. Let me prowess. let me double check. I'm ninety percent sure that's correct. I'm pretty sure it's correct. I'm pretty sure because yeah, like yeah. it's not like he but, wrote deep characters. <laughs> Like and again, I don't know that he was. He might have been directed for Interstellar as well. I don't know. Mm, I don't know. I, I think, think Interstellar only got visual effects, right, and music and stuff. Nominated <sighs> for five Oscars. Yeah, but for what? <laughs> well, yeah. like, best picture Dunkirk, directing Dunkirk, uh, picture screenplay Inception, and screenplay Memento. Yeah. So Dunkirk. Now, I personally think when I walked into Tenet. And I walked out like I could have gotten the Dunkirk Oscar, and I would have been okay. Yeah, I would have been fine with that. I like I love Dunkirk, but I do think I like Dunkirk more than Tenet. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. So that's exactly what I'm saying. When I walked into Tenet, I wanted to feel how I felt when I walked out of Inception, when I walked out of Interstellar, and when I walked out of Dunkirk, which was 
whoa, right? While with Tenet, I feel mm-hmm. like it wasn't as tightly told of a story where I do agree with you, Aaron, I do think it requires the multiple watch to fully appreciate it. And I do think it requires subtitles to fully appreciate it. While the other ones, mm-hmm. I walked out of that being like, and even the prestige, like I was like, home. Oh, and obviously the, the dark Knight trilogy, I was just like, Oh yes, that was amazing. Well, the first two of the dark. Knight I Knight like trilogy. rises, but I do understand. I do agree with that. You could be wrong. That's fine. <laughs> I under- no, I do. Wow. I feel- that's fire. I fully you accept, have bad I fully opinions, accept okay. that dark Knight rises. <laughs> is not like at the top i just enjoyed as a cinema watch voted for borat 2 for best adapted screenplay over the father it's fine we're all wrong exactly but like i walked out of those films being like oh you know and i walked out of tenet more being like huh so (laughs) that is for me the summation as to why i couldn't have put it better yeah i blame his obnoxious screenplay yeah because he, he legitimately made me angry like i got mad sitting in my car at the drive-in <laughs> watching tenant where it should be seen apparently yeah because yeah i watched tenant on the side of shipping containers at a navy yard during a drive-in uh, i saw in imax opening night like i should be the front runner for like supporting your wild card pick but i'm just gonna go back and say i did agree with you i would switch to emerald fennel well, we all know what I'm talking about, and I think that her vision is perfectly executed, so come on, guys. Come on over. You know you want to. <laughs> well, technically, we don't need Aaron at this point. Oh, true. Right. Yes. <laughs> if, I mean, I didn't know if you were officially saying that or if you were like, I yeah. would or I would be willing to. Like, if you're willing to, I'll, I'll keep my Thomas Vinterberg here. Then okay. vo- I'll vote Emerald Fennel. Yes. All right. That's fair. So excited. She's so good. It's such a good direction. Like everything from the way that the the costume is like picked and the, you know, the character work and the cinematography, like it's just so directed. So even technically, purely on a technical standpoint, it's so interesting and intriguing. So that just leaves us with Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Our nominees are Nomad Lane, which was the winner, um, <laughs> The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Promising a Woman, Sound of Metal, Charles Chicago 7. I know all of us were at some point considering Palm Springs as a wild card here. Yeah. Um, didn't make it. Which I, here's why I didn't go with it. I still don't think I would have voted for it, even though Palm Springs was my second favorite film of the year. Mm. And I believe. Here's how close I love Palm Springs and Charlie Chicago 7 together. I'm pretty sure they're 36 and 37 all time for me. Mm. Like, I'm, I'm that close to, like, cannot decide which one I like more. Um, but either way, 36 and 37 is high praise, as Nick Cage would say. Um, so I love, love, love Palm Springs. I'm trying to think of what my, what my other one was. Um, Another round? Yeah, another yeah. round was the other one. And, but I still feel like I would vote another one, um, a different film, even above Palm Springs, knowing that Palm Springs is ahead. Mm. So that's why I didn't use my um, didn't use my honor, didn't use my wild card here. Yeah, I, do- I, I agree with you, Aaron, in that like Palm Springs was actually my number one movie of the year. Like it's my favorite. Mm. But for me, there's always a difference between my favorite and the best. And that is something that I feel like with the Oscars, it really is. I'm not voting for what is my favorite. I'm voting for what I consider to be the best film of that year. My favorite film of the year was Charles <laughs> Chicago 7. I'm pretty sure even when I released my stuff saying I think it's the best film of the year, or my stuff at the end of the year, I think I said it's the best film of the year. I still adore that film. Mm. 
But for what the best picture is, I have to vote Promising Young Woman. <gasps> really? That's a twist? I have to. I have to. Yeah. Well, I was It's that everything third. that the best picture mm-hmm. should be. Mm-hmm. I think I even put it in my in my Sposkers bracket because I wanted it. And I thought there's a decent chance. Mm. If not Nomadland or Mink, then this is going to be the winner. Um, but I feel like also there's there's extra pressure on Hollywood for female-centric stuff. Mm. Um, that that I was like, maybe enough people. So my vote is Promising Young Woman. My fourth favorite film of 2020. I'll let you go first, Shane, because it's I'm very intrigued. I'm chuckling inside at the fact that I'm going to vote for a movie about an old white man. <laughs> after what Aaron just said. <laughs> because... <clears throat> My vote's the father. Like, that was... I still have not had an emotionally devastating movie-watching experience the same way that I did watching that movie. And that was under my 2021 films, and it was my number six. And that was a much stronger year of movies than 2020 was. So, I have a sinking feeling I know what (laughs) is going to win here. But... That doesn't surprise me because this is exactly what happened last year too when I voted for Ginger <laughs> Rabbit for Best Picture. So, go ahead. Yeah, look, I, I'm actually it's ironic. I think I'm in the exact same position as you, Aaron. Where I, my favorite film is not this, but I can't not vote for Promising Young Woman because I agree a bit with everything you said. And unfortunately, I feel the Academy also agreed in the whole like more women centric films. They just went with the boring one. <laughs> so, look, Nomadland is an accomplishment. I don't, I don't want people. It to is. Like think we're just trashing on it. It's absolutely an accomplishment. This isn't like with it's the Joker where we did trash. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. And the Joker's a film that still gets worse. Nomadland's just a film that I don't desire to see mm-hmm. it again. I've already seen it twice. That was one time too many. Um, so, with. And and Shane, I don't I I think mm. probably the father is the second most deserving. Yeah. I would even say Sound of Metal, and then I would say maybe Trial of Chicago Seven. Um, mm. Like in terms of what my best picture category would be, because it's you're right, it's about an old white guy, but like no, it's not. It's about it's it is <laughs> it's about mental yeah. it's about yeah. mental illness. It's like, about being well, to be human. fair, I didn't say it was about an old white man. Yeah. I yeah. Had, it was centered around an old white man. Not nothing about the movie screams old white man. Yeah, other it, than. Other than old white man and it being called but, the father, but besides that, <laughs> yeah, because like, it's just. Mm. And the thing is, like, promising not young woman is my number two yeah. out of all these, <laughs> and like, they, and like as I sit here, promising young woman sitting up there, I just not gonna get up to grab it. Yeah, uh, but like, <laughs> it's it's a special film, mm. and you want to be able to give them to a special film. And that's what I was saying about the original screenplay, too. Mm. It's like, sometimes you want to be able to pick something that, like... That's why I was, like, Parasite wasn't my number one film. But, God, I was happy Parasite won. Yeah. Instead of, you know, having another green book. Yeah. And, like, that's the thing. It's just, like, go bold. Yeah. That's the thing about art. Yes. Is think, think outside the box. Do something interesting. Seize the day. Carpe diem. <laughs> Dead Poet Society well, for Best thing, Picture. Here's the thing that made Promising Young Woman, like, the, the clear choice for me, is that um, I think if we want to talk about technical aspects, we can all day. And probably Mank or the Father are going to be at the top. Mm-hmm. Maybe Sound of Metal. 
We've talked about them extensively. We've talked about them in lots of categories. But if we're going to talk about the best made film, we don't need all the rest of the other categories. Mm-hmm. It, so the best picture, I, lo- I, I really like the idea of what Criterion defines their films as, is well-made, relevant, important films. Mm-hmm. Like, Promise Young a Woman fits both of those. The, I mean, The Father fits that too. Absolutely. I, I think mo- I think a lot of these fit that, but what is going to be the movie that means the most? What is going to be the movie that you really hope... Let's just say nobody has seen any of the Best Picture nominees before the Oscar happens. Mm. What is that one film that you would really say, like, please, you have to go see this movie, mm-hmm. like, to the world? I, that yeah. should be the pick, and that's Promising Young Woman. I also think it's really interesting to me, because I think, again, I agree with everything you guys have said, And it's interesting because The Father and Promising Young Woman both take an in-depth look at elements of human nature that have long been cast to the side and ignored, right? And that is why it's so great these films have been made and are being talked about. Another element I I would add to what you just mentioned, Aaron, is that I think that Promising Young Woman incites and inspires really important conversation. Uh, as to and makes us reflect on our society and our community right now and the way that we function. I think the father does that too, but ultimately, I think that you're right. Promising young woman is such an excellent representation to the conflict that is present right now, and it does so in a way that not only is talking about it in an important way, but in an entertaining way. The film is entertaining. If you just watch it, again, similar to how I was saying about Soul, if you just watch it as a shallow movie, it's an entertaining film. It's very well made. Anyone could sit down and enjoy what's happening, you know, most people. But I think it also is just technically well made. This, what it's talking about is important and relevant. And the what is inspiring and what it could potentially incite for future film is also another element to it, which is why I see it as the Best picture of 2020. I'm, I'm taking a look. Uh, we had four unanimous votes. Mm-hmm. Um, Soul for score. Maria Bakalova for supporting actress. Another round for international film. And uh, uh, Elizabeth Moss for lead actress. And um, there's only three that the two of you disagreed <laughs> on. No, four. Sorry, four. Four, yeah. One of them being best picture. <laughs> um, so best picture... Year. Best picture, um, uh, lead actor, uh, animated and original song. Mm. Those are the four. So it's fun. But I, like, this is also fun. I feel like this was a little bit more variety. Mm. I feel like we had more unanimous votes. Oh, we had, year, I so feel like, like we had, we got, we had to wait till like about halfway before we started diverting more, more imp- yep. like, well, we, f- we frequently picked not the, not the winner, mm. but we frequently picked together. So like, <laughs> but, uh, but there was also like, I don't think we were unanimous on Maria Bakalova until we were talking about it. And then we were like, I think this is yeah. it. So. I'm so yep. great. That'd be so great if she got a- Imagine if it had actually happened, though. Maria Bakalova. Bakal- Bakalova. Oh, my God. I can't pronounce her name. My, my tongue's decided to take a break now. Um, Maria Bakalova, Oscar-winning actress for Borat 2 subsequent movie film. <laughs> um, also, should be noted that out of the three wild cards, only one of them won, and the one that won was unanimous. Yeah. Um, actually, out of the three that won, out of the two that weren't um, weren't winners, there were no votes for. <laughs> well, to be fair, I switched. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we somebody uh, had to because we were in a stalemate. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I mean, I, I, w- I would have. I think. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that's crazy. This is fun. Um, so there you go. There's how we thought the Oscars did last year. Um, so we went. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, seven of the 13 that we have listed we think the oscars did so it's more than half there we go we just disagreed on original song um lead actress which we would have disagreed on even if we didn't have a wild card Mm -hmm. um actor supporting lead actor supporting actor uh, supporting actress director and best picture some of the most important ones I know, right? Yeesh. I'm so intri- I'm so intrigued for our conversation next year because this is going to be a very interesting Oscars too. We'll, we'll see because I feel like there are some of these films coming out that are really going to grow on me and there are some that are going to probably wane a little mm. bit. We will see. Um, that's why I like doing this is I think a year ago I would have fought not as hard for Sound of Metal even though I usually didn't vote Sound of Metal. I, I think... I think I would have been quicker to say Olivia Coleman for the father instead of Maria Bakalova. Mm. Um, I think getting that extra time away was great for Elizabeth, like us seeing for Elizabeth mm. Moss. Like I think there's lots of stuff, you know, and we, we were talking about score. It's like, if I don't remember it, like, yeah. does it matter? Yeah. And like so. they say, hindsight is 2020. Oh my God. <laughs> you had to, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> well, um, if you enjoyed listening to us talk, um, you can uh, get extra perks at Patreon, patreon.com slash Um I'm going to go ahead and drop this episode as soon as I get it finished, um, just as a way to say, like, hey, like, there's no reason for this to be timed right before the Oscars. We're close enough. So this will be dropped then. Um, so if you are listening to this at some point later, you could have listened to this earlier. Just remember that. Um, you can catch other episodes um, 24 hours early, usually about 24 hours early. Um, you can get private reviews. Um, Turning Red will be coming here pretty soon um, as an exclusive review. Um, and you can get private reviews, as mentioned. Um, you can tell me a movie that you want, movie, TV show, or TV season, book, something like that, that you want me to check out specifically for you. And I will make sure to do that um, in the month. So patreon.com slash sifpopwr if you're interested in any of those perks. But um, uh, if you have feedback on the show, uh, writersroomsifpop.com. Be sure to send that stuff. You can follow me at Schweikast on Twitter or Letterboxd. Alice, what about if people want to connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on Letterboxd and Instagram at Ali G Mick, A-L-I-G-M-I-C-H. Um, and also I am a writer, obviously, for Sifpop, uh, Sifpop.com. So mm-hmm. you can find me. Uh, the most recent article that came out was the Uncharted One Stop Pop. Um, so if you did or didn't like the movie, there should be some stuff in there to still sate that taste. Um, and then my next review, I believe, is The Lost City. So I'm very excited for that one. I really hope that it holds up to my expectations, but we shall see. Scott Mann said it was really fun and he enjoyed it. So I'm like, I don't know. That's not nothing. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I'm Shane. And, and you can yeah. find me on my YouTube channel, The Wasteland Reviewer. You could go on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Letterboxd, whatever the hell social media accounts that I have. And I am a staff writer at Sif Pop, so I write a lot of stuff and probably things that you've never heard of. So there you go. That's you true. should check them out. And I do some other writing for other places. But the coolest thing is being a $20 tier patron of the Sif Pop Writers Room. 
be a cool kid and become a twenty dollar tier patron to Sip Pop Writers Room. That's true. If you join the twenty dollar tier, you can get access to exclusive reviews of Pan's Labyrinth, um, The Way Way Back, oh, uh, Dead Asleep, and uh, The House. Mm. So yes, and you can be friends with Rowan and I. <laughs> That's true, and me. So. Alice, Shane, thank you so much for taking your time. Um, I'm satisfied with the time here. You know, a little bit less, and we'll it'll cut down a little bit in posts. So like, there we go. Know. Yeah, but I feel like we covered all of our bases. We did yes. it. Absolutely, Woo-woo. so fun once again to just, <laughs> especially this year's Oscars. Oh my goodness! Let's hope that we don't. You've been holding on to a lot of feelings. I've been holding on to a lot of anger. <laughs> oh, I yeah. There's a photo that perfectly represents my feelings in that moment. Um, that I will share with with you two. And if anyone else wants to contact me on Instagram, and I'll send it through. But it's literally just me looking at my friend in shock when Anthony Hopkins was announced as the winner. And it's like the perfect captured moment. So yes, I have been waiting a while. My soapbox was sitting there. It was primed. It was ready. <laughs> you can catch my live reaction. If you went to the sponsors <laughs> live live show, cause I was the one that pointed out, I was like, guys, they picked Hopkins. Like <laughs> that's, that's what my reaction was like. They, that can't be <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> I was the only one still awake slash in my living room for my party because everybody else left early and my fiance went to sleep. So I'm just sitting there by myself watching the chaos <laughs> unfold. And the that was the end of that show. Just being like, what did I just witness? And then I went to bed like they done messed up. <laughs> Man, that was a fun that was a fun night on Twitter. Yep. Um Guys, here's here's my here's my hope. My hope is one day we get to record this in person mm. at the Sposkers. Yeah. That would be that cool. That would be cool. We'll see. All right. Alice is on uh, a show coming up mm-hmm. soon where we'll talk about the Harry Potter oh. franchise. You recently heard Shane talk about network uh, on the show. So if you're interested, check that out. If not, we'll catch you back for your regularly scheduled program next week.